4: You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama?
5: Facts, yes, all of the above are correct, but most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Radio.
7: All right, now I'm not alone. Let me let me make this infinitely clear, and I'll tell you who I'm with in just a moment. I want to remind everyone we are coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate code. Now, normally the opening of the show, I mean, all the people that work here on Fox Sports Radio, they're part of the opening, but we had a a last-minute substitution, and it's just not anybody. It's someone that I used to share the airways with every single week here on Fox Sports Radio. He left me. He had a big gig in London, and he left for a couple of months, never to return. And then all of a sudden I see him showing up again, working with other people, and he gave me that look every time I walked in saying, hmm, you really haven't been keeping in touch, have you, these days? I'm like, I follow you on Instagram! So I'm very happy that he is reunited with me today. I don't know if he feels the same. The NFL wine guy himself. The legend. Super Bowl champion.
8: Will Blackman is in the house. Will, how are you? <laughs> that was just a um, mm. luxurious applause right there. Yeah, you hear yeah. that? <laughs> yes. A big, a big standing. Oh, how are you, Will? It's good to see I'm you, man. I'm doing well. Yeah, you know, I... I Got a last minute call and I immediately said, he was like, you're going to go with Steve. And I was like, no, no <laughs> way in hell. I was like, dude, this is my day off, spend time with my kids. Right. No. Yeah. And my wife said, my wife, Sean, was like, but you like Steve. Mm-hmm. I was like, I do. Yeah. She's like, go. Right. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, now, if there's a ringing
7: endorsement, that is definitely it. Well, I'm glad you're here, Will. No, I'm I'm, I'm excited. We got a lot of things to do. I so- drove through the fog for you, okay? How far? Now we now. I came from San Diego this morning. By the way, down there at Torrey Pines, a delay in the third round of the Farmers Insurance Open. All eyes are on Tiger. Start of the day six shots off the lead. Third round as he tries to become the winningest golfer all time in PGA Tour history. He's tied with Sam Snead all time with eighty-two wins. But it was very foggy in San Diego. Where were you coming from? Where was the fog? The, o, the O.C. So, oh yeah, yeah you passed through. Yeah. It was very foggy all day, all day long, out here on the west coast. All right, well, Will, it's that you know that week before the Super Bowl, that week off. You know, we've been sort of rattling off week after week through the playoffs and everything else, and then you got the Pro Bowl that nobody cares about. <laughs> yeah. Although I do want to ask about one thing a little bit later on about the Pro Bowl. We do have the Senior Bowl today. Okay, that's going to actually be kicking off during our show. Uh, today out there. Uh, let me ask you about the validity of the Senior Bowl. Uh, I don't know if you participated back I in, did. Your, in your BC days I back there. I did play there. in the Senior Bowl. So, um, let me, you know, it's pulled back the curtain on the on the Senior Bowl, because always what I hear is, the game is the game. It's really those, what, three days of practices. you that got is. all the NFL scouts there. They're running through your drills. It's almost like, you know, it, it, it's sort of an early peak uh, of all the B, uh, seniors out
8: there, so th- how much did you benefit from the senior bowl? Yeah, the good thing about it is, one, for a coach, it gives you you know a first crack at the players. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, two, it actually helps you, you know, I guess set the record straight or clarify some things that they have questions about. You know, there are some guys that there was a receiver, KJ Hill, I believe. He was like, I came to the senior bowl to do one on ones to show people that I can beat man or beat press man and, and what have you. Uh, in my case. I had a unique situation, you know, I, I've said millions of times on, on the show that, you know, I played my first three years, I played as a defensive back at Boston College. My senior year, I was full-time starting X receiver, like I was the guy. And so when I got the invite to the Senior Bowl, you know, I guess the majority of the coaches wanted to see me go back to play in defensive back. So I went to the Senior Bowl to, okay, I can still play D.B., you know, so that was that's where it benefited for me, uh, and then yeah, just to see compete against higher competition, um, and then also to yeah meet the coaches and just be around them.
7: I was talking to uh, some of the people connected with the Senior Bowl, and I asked them about these underclassmen. Now, once again, there's going to be a list of over a hundred underclassmen that are giving up eligibility to enter the draft, and they're obviously not at the Senior Bowl. And much like the NBA, where it seems like if you're a one-and-done guy, you're going to be at the top of the draft, they conceded the fact that a lot of times that these underclassmen seem to get preference over guys that
8: completed their college careers. Is that fair or not? Um, It depends, because I know certain GMs, they like seniors in terms of trying to build a team and a culture they, they like seniors uh, for that reason now if the guy's an underclassman and he's just an absolute stud and there's he doesn't need to play in these all-star games to prove otherwise then yeah i understand that part but i know a lot of guys who are who are building teams they prefer seniors
7: uh by the way i've been hearing about some of the quarterbacks at the senior bowl i'll tell you who is underwhelmed at least from people that were there justin herbert uh, they say the thing about Herbert is, even go back to his Rose Bowl, you know, he had three rushing touchdowns. He didn't throw the ball particularly right. well, but he got the offensive MVP because, well, he ran for three touchdowns you the TD, and he gave him MVP. Uh, but the thing they say about Herbert is is that he is essentially the same quarterback. He came back for his senior year. The numbers look good, but his he hasn't really changed. I mean, he's essentially the same guy. And I guess that's always the evaluation of any player coming out of college: has he peaked? Is, in other words, is this as good as he's going to get, or is there still room to grow once he gets to the next level? That's hard to evaluate.
8: It is hard to evaluate because they they may have peaked in college, and maybe things haven't changed, or you know, in terms of the system or what have you, what they're trying to do. But there are some guys that end up going to the NFL, and they end up landing in the right situation. You know, I. You know, I we talk about uh, the success of, of DK Metcalf of, of what he's doing, but I'm like, listen, he landed with a legit like an all star quarterback, and that is a big deal because I, I there are a lot of players that ended up going to the NFL and they end up in the wrong system or they might not have a good quarterback, therefore they just disappear. It's like what happened to this guy. So, you know, it's, it's very beneficial for, for guys to end up going to the right place at, at the right time to do that. You just, you just don't know. Like, he could, he could end up going to the NFL and, and being on a certain team, and things may happen in his favor. And next thing you know, he, he just t- takes off.
7: Well, one guy will not be at the Senior Bowl is Joe Burrow. Now, this, I, I don't know if we've really had a more difficult prospect to figure out than Joe Burrow. A year ago, he threw 16 touchdown passes. This year, he threw 60. 16 to 60. That's after three years of riding pine at Ohio State. He's older than Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. Okay, So that means that's true. The 2019 Heisman Trophy winner is actually older than the 2016 Heisman Trophy winner. So And then Joe Brady, who, of course, came there for one year at LSU. Now his uh, services are going to be with the Carolina Panthers. He got a lot of credit for bringing in that Saints offense. It just seemed to work perfectly for Joe Burrow. He got the Bengals sitting with the number 1 pick. He's an Ohio kid. It seems like a no-brainer. We don't know about the Tuatunga-Vailoa situation. Is he going to be 100% recovered from that hip injury? But would you be nervous in taking a guy like Joe Burrow? Seemingly a one year wonder, arguably as good a season as any college quarterback has ever had. Right. As a guy that's going to be a decade long franchise quarterback in the NFL.
8: Not at all. And it goes back to what you just said earlier. There are guys that are one and done, there are guys where you have seen enough. And now, granted, right, they could have been, you know, lighting it up in the circuit, you know, in high school for NBA. And it's kind of like, okay, if this kid. If you can leave high school, this kid would be a first-round pick. So, right, it's just like, okay, let's just see him in college, not get hurt, and then and go on. But with Joe Burrow, I just feel like despite whatever talent he had, yes, he had all-star receivers all over the place, he made every single play. He made every single throw. Even when those guys were covered, he dropped the ball in the bucket where he needed to be. And just his mindset, even when they were down in the championship game, his face did not change. There was nothing wrong with him. And I I look as if I was an evaluator. I look at those certain tangibles in terms of how is this person in situations because once you get to the NFL, everybody's fast, everybody's strong, everybody can throw. Everyone has some kind of I say mutant ability. The difference is, is situational football. Can you handle certain you know? adversities I, I look back at last year with the Titans right when Mariota uh, I think he got hurt or benched or whatever they brought him they brought in Blaine Gabbert and I looked at his face on the sideline and I think they were within like a touchdown or two and it looked like there was no hope whatsoever and and just and I've been spoiled to be you know, I got drafted, and Brett Favre is our starting quarterback. And there was not one game where I thought we, we could have been down 50 points. I'm like, well, some way, somehow, Brett can figure this out. And then when Brett leaves, I had Aaron Rodgers, same thing. Some way, he'll, he'll figure it out. And then your favorite player of all time, I was with Eli. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> and I remember that NFC Championship game where he was getting just blasted the whole game and stood tall, and it, it, he just stood there, and it didn't matter. I know that
7: Charles Woodson had a big impact on you coming into the league. Uh, one, one of the things you've always told me is
8: that, well, I mean, you were a nut for film. I mean, you watched this stuff. Well, I had to learn how to be like that. Right. I, I wasn't always like that. But Charles was—he was one of those guys. That's, I found out that he was like that, right?
7: So he—he he, and then then all of a sudden, you, it's not just watching. It's like, what am I looking for? What what am right. I? What am? How am I making use of this? So when when you would evaluate quarterbacks in preparation for a game, what were some of the intangibles that you look for
8: that separated the elite quarterbacks from the rest of the pack? Well, so I take someone like like Peyton Manning. Okay, he didn't do much in terms of he didn't give you a thousand formations he didn't motion guys all over the place he literally got to the line of scrimmage and looked at what you were doing made his made his calls and adjustments and we knew for the most part if he was under center it was a run if he was in shotgun it was a pass we knew that he knew we knew that it still didn't matter you know he still figured it out there was I told a story the other uh, a few weeks ago that I remember I was lining up over Demarius when I was in Jacksonville. We were playing the Broncos, and he's Peyton's yelling out the calls and adjustments, and he yells out to Demarius like what he has to do, and Demarius can't get it. So Peyton yells, "You have a nine route. You are running a nine route," and I'm like. <laughs> I'm right here dude. Like <laughs> I I know what a non route is. And I and sometimes me I get I get in my head. I'm like, "Okay, maybe he's maybe he's bluffing. You knows there's a trick here." And sure enough he ran non runout and he did complete that go-route on me. And I'm like, "Oh, dude, this is crazy." But guys like that where they just they get there and nothing bothers them. There are times where Right, when there's a young quarterback, what do you want to do? You want to blitz him, right? Try to make him rattle and try to make him uh, get uncomfortable. But when I see quarterbacks that stand there and it doesn't even matter, like nothing phases them, that's that's where I can see, okay, that's that's the difference.
7: All right, end of an era. Eli Manning announcing his retirement on Friday, 16 years with the New York Giants. Everyone has something to say about Eli Manning's place in NFL history. Hall of Fame. But guess what? We have someone that was there. Teammates, Super Bowl forty-six, Super Bowl champions. Is Eli Manning deserving of being put with the elite quarterbacks in the history of the game? Will Blackman, teammate. He'll have the answer from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios coming up next.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
4: You're my favorite icon.
5: Aw, Joseph.
4: Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Theodore Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
9: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport, and I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Reality podcast.
11: Bundle home and auto with farmers' insurance, and you could save an average of 20%. We know a thing or two about how to save a buck or two. Call 1 800 Farmers to get a quote
6: today.
2: We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Reported 2018 nationwide average savings underwritten by farmers, truck, fire insurance, exchanges, and affiliates. Products not available in every state.
7: Yeah. Steve Hartman, Will Blackman with you here on this big Saturday. Eli Manning calling it a career 16 years. With the New York Giants, he said it was important to retire as a Giant. I like that. I like that. I I, I, I mean, to me, is it a game changer in evaluating a guy's career whether he played his entire career with a team? Maybe not. I like it. This seems tidy, you know? You've seen so many of these over the years, Will, where a guy plays his whole career with one franchise, and then there's that tag at the end. Like Frank O'Hara's had one year with the Seahawks. Or Emmett Smith with the Cardinals. Emmitt's with the Cardinals. That was brutal. Yeah. Um uh, Joe Namath with the Rams. Johnny Unitas with the Chargers. I, I mean, understand so I
8: understand other. the Montana thing. That was like vindictive. That was like But
7: he was the exception because he played well with the Chiefs. I mean, he got the Chiefs to the AFC championship well, he, game.
8: He he played well because he wasn't done. Right. And they picked somebody over him where Emmett was like Mm, All right. You no. know, he's just tagging on
7: years at the end. So I like the fact that Eli Manning called it a career with the New York Giants. Before the, By the way, before we get to that, uh, uh, wine MVP, can I get into that for you? Yeah, the
8: wine MVP, please do.
7: Okay, because, uh, you know, I know you were the
8: NFL wine guy. You yeah. still are, but yeah. now
7: you're going wine MVP. If you're if you're a wine
8: aficionado, I wish I was because I do enjoy well, that's wine. Well, that's what I'm here for, though. Yeah. I'm here to help and educate. Like, that's... I'm here to educate beer drinkers, right? I don't drink beer anymore. I'm a wine guy. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was. I am still referred to as the NFL wine guy. However, mm-hmm. obviously because of the acronym NFL, you know, I had to I had some uh, meetings where it, it wouldn't work out. So we thought the wine MVP actually was was real suitable, and that's cool. So yeah, it's an official company. Um, basically, uh, it's going to be a wine club subscription. We should we should be launching by next week. Uh, where every month I send you my two favorite wines, uh, along with a card explaining little details about each one. and then we'll have some videos on YouTube uh, where I just pretty much tell you the basic things what you need to know about it. You know, it's, it's not a it's not a pinky up you know snooty type no. of thing. This is totally like chill, hang with your homeboy. It's it's me. You know, I'm just and I'm, I'm one I'm one more exam away from being a fully certified sommelier. So right now I'm level one, and then one more exam I'll be full-fledged certified. Well, good for you. Yeah. I like that. With yeah. everything
7: else you're doing, very busy guy. Yeah. All right, so one MVP, look for that. All right. Well, let's let's talk about this. So, Eli Manning retires 16 years and people are just dissecting his career. And it is an interesting career. I mean, on the positive side, Look, this guy was not only a two-time Super Bowl champion, he's a two-time Super Bowl MVP. There's only been five players ever to win multiple Super Bowl MVPs. All of the other ones are in the Hall of Fame, or in Tom Brady's case, obviously going to be a first ballot guy. That's a positive. Not only did he win two Super Bowls, he beat the team of the decades. Certainly in the last 20 years, the Patriots, twice, okay? That's a big positive on his resume. When you look at those two Super Bowl runs in which the Giants were 8-0. and Seven of those games were either on the road or on a neutral site. Seven of those eight wins. Okay, so those, and then you look, he's top 10 all time in career yards, touchdowns, completion, some of the big categories. On the negative side, his regular season record, 500, exactly 500. The only category he ever led the league in was interceptions, and he did it three times. He was never first-team All-Pro. He made Pro Bowl four times, but a couple of those were as an alternate, not actually originally selected, to the Pro Bowl team. But you have a different perspective because, obviously, you're not just an observer. You were a teammate, and you guys together won Super Bowl 46 in upsetting the New England Patriots. So when when you see these arguments from people like me, are New York scribes that covered this guy arguing back and forth about the validity of his career? Is he deserving of being handed the gold jacket as one of the all-time greats of the game? What say you? Yeah, there's no question about it. <laughs> okay, so so let me ask you this, though. I mean, when <laughs> here's what I would observe. When we look at those two New York Giant victories, and you were part of the second one, and obviously you're very familiar with the first team as well, I I look at those Giant teams and saying, really wasn't it the Tom Coughlins of the world who put together an incredible game plan to outthink, to some level, Bill Belichick? Do you
8: think Tom did?
7: Well, I don't know. I mean... You tell, the, the defenses obviously had the right answer to slow down that Patriots attack in both those Super Bowls. Yeah,
8: so in terms of right, the 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 type of players he built he wanted around there. Um this is in conjunction with, you know, Jerry Reese and Getaman was there and the Merrick family, yeah, all collectively um putting this together where you want a tough running game, you want a nasty O line, you want a an array of Defensive ends getting after it and a veteran secondary that's smart. Yes, they that was the formula both times. However, when it mattered, when it mattered, Eli came through. Um, and and both I wasn't there for the first one actually. They beat. I was on the Green Bay Packers when they beat us right in the NFC Championship game, and same thing. Eli made the plays when it was tough and when it mattered. And then I was fortunate enough to be on that 2011 team where, right, the, the regular season was up and down. And then we finally got in. And then once we got in, it was just, it was, he, was, he was just on. Well, let's talk about the second game. I was talking about Super Bowls. Well, let's talk about
7: game two. You win the wild card round. Now you're facing the defending champions, your former team, the Green Bay Packers, 15 and one team. You guys are nine and seven. No one's giving you a ghost of a chance in Green Bay. Let's talk about the buildup to that game and, you know, what role Eli Manning
8: played to get you past your biggest hurdle to get to the Super Bowl that year. Well, I mean, I'm looking at his stats now in Green Bay versus Green Bay. He was, you know, 21 out of 33, 330 yards, three touchdowns, and Mm. rating of 114. Big. I mean, got it done. You know that's 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 just what it mattered, and it was it was pretty cold out there, including the the hail mary to, um, Hakeem Nicks at the end. But that's the thing is I, I always I always evaluate a quarterback of okay when is crunch time and when it matters, do you elevate everybody around you, and right that was the year Victor Cruz you know, took off, um, you know Hakeem Nicks uh, was a a big part first round type receiver, and then Mari Manningham. Um, obviously, he he played really well in the postseason too, but everybody came through, you know. And once again, he still he made like key plays. It wasn't like he was carried, you know. You go you go to the Baltimore team in 2000, you know Trent Dilfer. Everyone's like, man, how did this happen? And but they argue we had one of the best defenses of all time. That wasn't the case with both Giants teams. That that Giants team in 2007, we beat them in the regular season, and. We literally, when we find out we were gonna play them, look. Like, There's no way in hell they're beating us. There's no way. There is nothing that was like intimidating in terms of like us losing to them. But they just had that mindset, like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna figure it out and get it done. And then same thing. We we barely got in in 2011. We had to beat the Cowboys at the end, and we got we won a division and got in at nine and seven. And then we get Atlanta at home, end up you know taking care of them. And then yeah, we gotta go to we have to go to Green Bay, 1501. Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers won MVP that year. They just came off winning the Super Bowl. We weren't we weren't supposed to, to win those games. You know? And and they it was funny because ironically, this year, the team that reminded me of us was the Tennessee Titans, where they just got in. They were nine and seven. And they were taking care of teams like they weren't supposed to. However, when it mattered Tannehill did not get it done, you know. That's that's where the difference was because right, everyone knows. Listen, we're gonna do everything we can to take take care of Degger Henry, but it did not. It did not come. Tannehill did not make it happen. Eli, you could have taken everything away, and f- some way somehow, Eli figured it out. All right. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio. studios. this. I'm, I'm
7: always fascinated from the player's perspective. You know, we see one thing. Because it's
8: those legendary moments. It's like, can you write the history without this player? You can't. No, it's hard. You
7: cannot write the history of the NFL without mentioning Eli Manning. Right? Impossible. In terms
8: of what, in a positive manner, in terms of what he did, because there's a lot of players you can't. Although, as we right. know, Gavin is a big thumbs down on Eli Manning.
12: He's a garbage quarterback.
8: Garbage great quarterback. Great defense. By the
7: way,
12: how about why, this? How are you saying
8: great defense? <laughs> By the way, you did not hear what I garbage. just said. Yeah. No, he I, I heard you. what you said. So why are you garbage. saying
12: great defense? Elite defense. Absolutely. In that Super Bowl. They don't win that Super Bowl without uh, O.C. uh ripping Brady's face off. Mm-hmm. Come on. All right. All right. Think Come about on. this. The Chargers, <laughs> tra- every Charger fan is yes. happy with how that worked out. Okay. None Understand. of them win. ooh, we want okay. Eli.
7: well, well. Come I gotta on. explain this to you. Gavin is a diehard Charger fan,
8: so he just Eli better. Manning. Eli said, I don't want to go. I don't oh,
7: want to cool. play there. So if you are a true Charger fan, which Gavin is, you can never, ever, ever, ever say a positive thing about Eli Manning because he spit on it's the Charger organization. It's also because there's nothing
12: positive to say.
7: Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's find <laughs> out it's what's trending right now. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Uh, a man that doesn't hold those kind of grudges, uh, David Gascon. What's up, man? Yeah. What do, you, what, do you think, what do you think of Gavin? Can he put this away? That you know that Eli said no to the Chargers it was the right move for him, right? Yeah, right. I mean,
11: professionally, yeah. yeah. Would you rather go to San Diego or New York? Wow. Especially if you're going to win in New York a couple of times. Goal. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's easy. Um, guys, we'll start things off in college basketball. There's a handful of games in the top 25 that are being played right now on FS1. Number 21, Illinois, leading at Michigan, 52 to 47. Number 16, Auburn. They're 16 and two this season. They're having no problems with Iowa State, 67 to 57, in that one. Uh, Number 14, West Virginia pulling away from Missouri. It was tight throughout. Now in the second half, they've opened things up. It's a 15-point advantage. That ball game's got about 14 minutes and some change left in the second half. Number 9, Villanova and Providence are just underway, 24-18. Nova has the advantage in that affair. National Football League news, of course, the Pro Bowl is this weekend. And uh, TMZ Sports is reporting along ESPN's Adam Schefter that Patriots owner Robert Kraft Looking to bring back Tom Brady here in 2020. You guys... Obviously. Obviously?
7: He's not play. Look at it. This idea that Tom Brady's going to play for the Chargers is fantasy land. Right. Why oh, would he yeah. go anywhere else? I don't get it. And, and that's just per fantasy land. I mean, Bron- come
11: on. Broncos have hired uh, ex-Giants offensive coordinator Mike Shula, and he's now their quarterback's coach. And... Of course, guys, uh, the line's been bouncing back and forth between San Francisco and Kansas City between 1 and 2, 2 and 1. Mm. Should be fine, depending on what Gavin takes. Go the opposite way. Anyways, wow. Back to you, back yeah. to you guys. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Dave. We'll get back to uh,
7: Gavin and his uh, gambling addictions in a moment <laughs> here. Uh, by the way, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on your car insurance with Geico. Go to guica.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right, so as we are now a week away uh, from the Super Bowl, eight days to be exact. Uh, again, I uh, I covered many Super Bowls in my career, many. i uh, been there for Super Bowl weeks, including your Super Bowl. I was in Indianapolis Doing that what? year. Well, when I say covering it, you know the one thing I did do
8: when you had a start- ticket
7: to the game? No, I didn't stay for the games. I was covering the week, a leading two. When I first started covering Super Bowls in the early 90s, there was no such thing as Radio Row. Uh, in fact, we created the first Radio Row, Super Bowl 25 in Tampa. The New York Giants are playing the Bills. Mike and the Mad Dog had just launched their show, legendary show. They were there because of the Giants. They set up in a hotel lobby, and I hitched my wagon to them, I just set up a table next to them, figuring they'd have some guests come by, and that was the essential start of Radio Row. Now it's the monstrosity, and of course, what happens, the reason I don't like going to Radio Row anymore, is they just bring over the same cast of characters year after year after year to interview. If you really want to get to the players, you got to go out to the team hotels Would they have those days, and I did. I did that every year. Grab my tape recorder, I've come out there, interviewed the players one-on-one. I'm sorry I missed you in Indianapolis, Will. Uh, If I had known, if I known, I would have. What were you sitting at one of the tables there? Just uh, did you get a lot of people doing one-on-one interviews with you? Yeah, I did
8: a bunch. You did, okay. Don't be sorry. Yeah, I wish I had
7: uh, known I was going to work with you back then. Let me let me ask you this though: uh, the idea of the two weeks, how important is it to get everything done this week that has just passed? And how crazy is it? And how much actual
8: game time study are you able to get in with the circus that is Super Bowl week? Yeah, the, the this week, um, as in the week that's just passed, is crucial. It, that's where you can truly get all your work in because the whole the whole Super Bowl week is full of distractions. Like there's there's no way around it. Yeah, you know. And plus, this week, this year too, it, it's in Miami. It's going to be a crazy show yeah. down there, and. It's vital, and so the two things are right. Get all your work done in terms of your preparation. Where next week is just review, rest your bodies. Uh, I remember, I believe we had like one day that was pretty, pretty uh, strenuous down there in Indianapolis, but we the rest was like walkthrough. Right. But also, you have to make sure your family's taken care of. You know, you have to make sure before we leave. You know, before we left uh, MetLife, make sure that our family has tickets. The flights are good. The hotels are all set, that everyone's all set. Because once you get down there, like, we're, we're not we're not able to take care of these things. That's another th- situation that you have to take care of. Because now, right, as a Super Bowl, everyone's coming out of everywhere, you know, who, who wants these things. So you take care of that first. And, yeah, once you get there during the week, we're, we're obligated to all these uh, media functions that we have to go to. So. Yeah, it's it's interesting, man. It was like I said, it wasn't that crazy. in Indianapolis it wasn't much to do.
7: There really wasn't. Remember the zip line thing they had going? I don't. On? I don't think I even
8: left the hotel. I went to. Really? I went, think I went yeah. to the mall like that. That was
7: the big draw in Indianapolis. They had this zip line uh, that was uh, you know, outside out there uh, near the stadium and everything else. Um, I do remember that week very well because the the conventional wisdom was all right. The Patriots are going to exact revenge on the Giants for, you know, ending their undefeated season in 07. Here we are, nine and seven Giants team. How they got here, we're not exactly sure, but they're here, and it is now time for the Patriots exact revenge, especially at that point. The Patriots hadn't won a Super Bowl in seven years. You know, they won three out of four years, oh one, oh three, oh four. Now
8: it's twenty eleven. They haven't won one in a while. Yeah, why? because every time Eli beat them they went in a drought. They right. had they had to reset the whole organization. Well, I mean, you're giving a <laughs> but I mean, here's my point. You're giving Eli a whole lot of credit, deservedly so.
7: But what you're not mentioning your coach. I mean, I guess this. If Eli Manning goes to the Hall of Fame, then is Tom Coughlin an absolute sure Hall
8: of Famer. Yeah, sure. Wait, well, wait. Well, you had to think about that. Because I had to look at his the rest of his career, right? I mean, he had big years in Jacksonville. Well, Jack- yeah. Before well, he came to the Giants, the second stint might have yeah. delayed it a little bit. A little bit,
7: yeah. Okay, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, well, okay. By the way, what did you what did you, what did you find out about what 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 was
8: what happened to Coughlin this latest round in you, Jacksonville? You, this, what happened was is he's not used to this new. Uh, this new generation of players. This, right. this new regime. So I heard, you know, back in two thousand seven, he had to he had to make a generational adjustment. Because I think something similar, like he was all the players didn't like him. Right. He was finding guys for everything and wasn't you know, just real militant type of style. And I guess the story is his wife said, "Listen, you need to show these players how you are at home, Mm -hmm. how you are with your grandkids, how you are with." Which is funny. One uh, Chris Knee was one of my college teammates, and Mm -hmm. Chris Knee ended up, you know, marrying his daughter, and that was a funny story when he got drafted. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But show them how you are. So he started showing more of his personality to the team, and you know, bringing in like cheeseburger trucks and just having more fun with them, and and that's where it, it. cool down for them and and so that was the style and then even but even the team that we had in 2011 we had a lot of grown men on that team a lot of adults like one of our my favorite teammates and one of our leaders was Dion grant you know mm-hmm. he was yeah uh, never missed a game adult our, our secondary was deon grant and corey webster aaron ross yeah and kenny phillips yeah adults right you know, our D-line, O.C. Justin Tuck, adults. A lot our, of smart guys on yeah, that Yeah, and our old line yeah. you know, David Deal and Shona Hare and Richie Sauber and, mm-hmm. you know, Chris nee, adults. Like, grown men everywhere where it, it's different now. And it's like he had to – I don't think he was ready to make another – especially now him being at the helm. He didn't mm-hmm. need it. I don't think he was ready to make another generational adjustment because I remember when I got to New York, I got fined for the for the weirdest things. So every every year – you. Every game, excuse me, on the road game, you had to, he wanted you in a shirt tie blazer. So everyone had to wear a suit, whatever it was. Did you have a problem with that? Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, okay, I'll wear a suit. again, right. Not a big deal. And um, so I remember I wore, I had a vest with a tie. Like I was dressed up. Mm-hmm. And so I remember I sat in the plane. I sat probably like four seats away from Coach Coughlin, and I watched him. He was blowing up, you know, the neck pillows, and he was turning purple. <laughs> and I'm like, I look back. I look back and go, Coach, I said, don't pass out on us.
6: <laughs>
7: what? You know, he goes, yeah.
8: oh, that's, yeah, That you think that's funny? I was like, I said, don't pass out, and we're cracking up. He goes, where's your blazer? I was like, oh, I was like, I'm dressed up. I didn't wear a blaze today. I had this. He was like, oh, well, that's funny. Then I'm like, whatever. This is on the way to the game. By the way, didn't didn't you guys share BC stories?
7: I mean, he was the BC coach. I mean, nothing. I mean, different eras, but nothing. No. Wow. No.
8: I mean, the Marers. I I went to school with their with their kids. Right. Um. But that was that was the only real Mm -hmm. connection. Mm -hmm. So we this is on the way to the game. Me and this interaction with Coach Coughlin, and we play the game. Come back. Get back to the facility the next night, rather. And as I go to get my stuff, I, there's an envelope in my locker. And I'm like, what like where's this, you know, no one delivers mail on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I got fined for not having a blazer. No. <laughs> I mean, was it a big fine? Was it 20 bucks? No, I think it was it was in the hundreds. Hundreds? Yeah, for Are not, you kidding for not me? having a blazer. Wow. Had I not, I don't think I, if had I not say anything, I don't think he would have. Mm-hmm. That's because I made fun of him. Maybe that's why.
7: By the way, I got word here at uh, Fox Sports Blazers for everybody from here on in. Uh, you, Sam, yeah, Gavin, yeah. Severin, you know, even the interns gonna have to wear blazers <laughs> Especially, out here. No,
8: I need a tuxedo from him.
7: <laughs> very, very good. Um, all right, uh, we got to start getting into Super Bowl 54, and we're going to get into the quarterbacks early. Jimmy G coming under fire for not throwing passes. I'm trying to figure this whole dynamic out. He what? Yeah, that he's not throwing enough passes to be considered an elite quarterback. From the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Uh, We're going to explain how misguided that criticism is coming up next. Steve Harbin and Will Blackman, eight days away from Super Bowl 54. By the way, Tiger off to a hot start is birdied. Two of the first three holes, round three was delayed because of Fog. Out there at Torrey Pines, the Farmers Insurance Open. So now he is just four shots off the lead, tied for seventh. And, of course, a victory. We're certainly one of his favorite courses. He's won eight times there. He's won this tournament seven times. And, of course, he won the U.S. Open there in 2008. Uh, But if he wins, he will set the all-time record, most career PGA Tour victories, breaking his current tie with the legend Sam Snead. 82. That doesn't count. European Tour victories, Tigers back. He's playing great. uh, And golf is so, so grateful for that. All right. So good stuff. We'll continue to follow Tigers' march to a PGA Tour record. All right. uh, We're talking, uh, we've been talking a lot about Super Bowl experiences with Will, uh, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl 46. Now we're getting ready for Super Bowl 54. Um, I love this matchup. I really do. Uh, For one, uh, these two teams don't play each other very often. Unlike the AFC and NFC championship games which are rematches from the regular season, which is also cool. Which is also cool. It is cool and it, and it was interesting because you know what was interesting from the 49ers standpoint is that you figured, all right, you got Aaron Rodgers, they threw everything at them the first time, it was a 37 to 8 49er victory. That's not going to be the same thing in the NFC championship game. The games were almost identical. I mean, in the two first halves combined of those games, San Francisco outscored Green Bay 50 to nothing. So it was just a really bad matchup for the Packers uh, going up against the 49ers. Yeah, I,
8: I, I thought Green Bay had no chance. None.
7: Yeah, I mean, I, the, the the chance was, all right, you, you, you got to Rodgers the first time, you put a lot of pressure on him. He, he'll he figure it out, and it, no, some teams don't match up well. It, it was a
8: bad matchup for Green Bay at the end of the day, right? Just overall, there is nothing that I think Green Bay could have done,
7: no, yeah. And so, the 49ers, and then, then it was interesting because after the 49ers' demolition of the Packers, and of course, Kansas City very much like their earlier game against Houston, against the Titans, they came back from an early deficit and they just dominated the game. I honestly thought when the conference championship games were played that the 49ers would open up as maybe a two- or three-point favorite. Instead, they were a a point-and-a-half underdog. And the only explanation I could come up with was Patrick Mahomes versus Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, everywhere else, the 49ers have a better defense, better special teams, better lines on both sides of the ball. But this perception that Kansas City has a big leg up at the quarterback position is the reason why I still think the Chiefs are a slight, I mean, it's almost a pick but a slight favorite in this game. So when you look at these two quarterbacks, I mean, Mahomes' skill set speaks for itself. On top of the fact that Mahomes has already shown in his very young career no games out of reach. I mean, he's unbelievable. I mean, he is there to me there's no argument. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. But are we are we shortchanging Jimmy Garoppolo
8: who all he's done so far in his career is win. That's what he does. Yeah, I, I don't think we're shortchanging because right, if you compare it to quarterbacks, right, it's, it's not close. But but once again, I think Jimmy G's not getting enough credit in terms of him being a legit quarterback for the Super Bowl team. It's almost like that, like, okay, the Niners are a very, very good team everywhere. Everything around him is perfect how it needs to be. And that's not the case at all. So that's where he's, get, that's where he's getting disrespected. But right, if you have the matchup, of course, everyone's going Mahomes. I'm picking Mahomes. I, I look at the season and they've been in every situation. I look at the Pittsburgh game where they had five turnovers, right? Mostly due to Jimmy G. The defense came through and still won the game. I look at the game versus Arizona where the defense couldn't stop anything and the Saints game where the defense couldn't stop anything and Garoppolo went out there and got it done because I go back to once again the Titans game where the run game wasn't going as it needed to be. They needed 10 hell He didn't come through. Jimmy G always came through when they needed him. So that's where he's getting disrespected. Right, if you want to compare the two quarterbacks, who do you trust the most? You trust Mahomes the most. Who's the most dangerous player in this entire matchup? It is Patrick Mahomes because if he gets if he goes goes into that mutant crazy Super Saiyan mode, right? It's like watch out.
7: Well, I, I look at uh, Jimmy Garoppolo right now, and he's very reminiscent of Brady when they won their first Super Bowls. I mean, in other words, I'm not just saying game manager. Not, but, at he all, was, but he's not. But he though. wasn't throwing the ball like he did later in his career, where he's setting records right. with the Patriots. But he was, you know, and we talk about ego.
8: Everyone's got an ego, right? right. I will say though, he, but, he does have the the lowest uh, uh passing per place. right? Like they're short passes and guys are taking him the distance.
7: Well, but again, when you got the best tight end in the league, George Kittle, right? I mean, he's he's sort of Gronk two plus, isn't he? I mean, he him him
8: him him and Kelsey are one and right. two, like, right? Depending on the week.
7: So you have the two best tight ends in the league. But I mean, the thing about Jimmy G is he didn't care you
8: know right. six of
7: eight passing i mean his bottom line and i don't again when you play with a guy like tom brady who is all about winning first you learn this i mean all you will get rewards it helps if it's you helping,
8: win it's helping jimmy
7: of course it is absolutely all right we're gonna have much more on super bowl 54 the zion phenomenon in the nba as well coming up next there we go there we go we're back Back together right there. All right. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote.
8: All right. One and night a- only. Sorry. One night only. <laughs>
7: <laughs> what am I going to see you again? I mean, is this going to be only once every, you know, five months? No, or- just
8: just contact me when right. you need some wine.
7: Well, and I and you hooked me up with uh, a very important wine, uh, very important. So yeah. I'm very happy about that. That's what I can do with Will Blackman on so many different things. All right, we, we, we spent a lot of time uh, sharing some Super Bowl stories. I, I want to get back to the NFL in a moment, but I, I got to talk about the Zion Williamson situation. Oh, wait a
8: minute. We got BC Basketball on TV. We
7: do. BC Basketball is uh, coming up here. By the way, I've been very happy. You know, I, during the week, I'm in San Diego, and uh, San Diego State is the only undefeated team left. It's very very exciting. I can't wait for March Madness. March Madness, where does March Madness fit on your sports calendar? Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. How about that? Wow. So you don't you don't do but a bracket? I mean, everybody in the planet I'd, does I'd, a bracket. No, I
8: did. I do a bracket. Yeah, you know, but I'm not like shutting down my day to go watch it.
7: No, really? I mean that. Some people think like that. First Thursday and Friday, you know, when you have 16 games on Thursday, 16 games on Friday, they should be like holidays because everyone is just sitting there looking at their brackets
8: for two days. Well, it'd right? Mean, it'd be nice, like. If BC can get back to where they were when I was in school, you know, Mm -hmm. we were ranked. We were always in the tournament. You know, right now it's not. You know, I want to. Well, how do you think I feel? I'm a UCLA guy. We're awful right now. Yeah, but you guys still have a rich history tradition. You know, we don't. Mm. We had we had to snatch two guys from California just to get there, and Jared Dudley and Craig Smith. That's okay, but you got Jared Dudley back in the day. We did. Yeah.
7: Um, All right, I want to get into a little NBA right now, specifically with Zion Williamson, and you know, I tell you what. The NBA is a little bit in a desperate situation right now. They need something to jumpstart this league. I don't know if you've been paying attention. Well, the NFL rankings are always going to be healthy, and the NFL is once again ticking up, not down. Baseball, we don't even have to discuss. We understand that's been in a free fall for years. But the NBA is in trouble. Ratings are way down. There is zero buzz right now around the NBA, and there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, the Golden State Warriors were really an infusion they needed at the time. Kobe's career was done. You know, LeBron, it was, you know, the, my, the whole Miami Heat thing just seemed a little too manufactured. So they needed something. You know, the Spurs were never going to move the needle. And then all of a sudden, Steph Curry's throwing up threes and Klay Thompson and teams win 73 games. And suddenly the Warriors became a must-watch team. But then that fell apart. So right now this league needs something. Ain't gonna be LeBron anymore. None of that matters. I mean, these have been there
8: done that. They need a new face. Are you saying since the Warriors left it's been the great depression in the NBA right now?
7: Well, i the ratings are who what they are. I mean, there's no question. When you look at the NBA finals four straight years of the Warriors versus LeBron, those are winners. Those are winners, winners. for the NBA. Last year was not. And this year, again, has been a disaster ratings. So when we look at this kid, Zion Williamson, who's obviously his start of his career got delayed because of the injury, he is no question a physical freak. It's not just the size of this guy. It's the speed. You're, you're like, how does this guy that big move the way he moves? It's just absolutely remarkable, uh, the upside potential for him right now. But is it fair for this league to hang their hat
8: uh on this kid, Zion Williamson. They need him. They do. They they need him because he's he's supposed to be next. Yeah. He's next in line. Um that that's what's happening in this league and who's going to be the successor once, you know, LeBron decides to move on, right? LeBron's going to do his thing. He's obviously the fan favorite, the best in the world and is going to keep doing his thing, but right, who is next? And that's kind of you know what happened when I mean Kobe was still winning and Kobe was still elite and effective when LeBron came through, right? But after that, it's like who's next? And everyone's everyone's been waiting for him anyway, because as I mentioned earlier, the, the circuit and, and bat, high school basketball is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, all these tournaments and, and what have you. So everybody was waiting for him to arrive and right, that first game where he came through. You know, and, and made a lot of plays. That's what everybody's waiting for for Zion because they. They seen everything, and they were just hoping, okay, what's 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 going to happen? And to have that performance, now, now the NBA is thirsty and starving.
7: Let me ask you from an athlete's perspective. So from a non-athlete's perspective, I envy all athletes, that you are given certain God's gifts, and those that really take them seriously can take them to the next level always blows my mind. But when you as an athlete look at a specimen, I'm going to use that word, that is Zion Williamson
8: mm-hmm. with his size, his agility, his speed, his leaping ability. What do you think? He reminds me, and and I, and I argue this still. I feel like the best athlete in the NBA ever was rookie year Shaquille O'Neal. Wow, I what? I believe that for him to be seven one or seven two at the time, right? And just to run up and down the court like he did. And just to be so athletic, I mean, he was unbelievable. Uh, I think to that to this day, he's still the best athlete to ever play in the NBA. Um, for that, you know, obviously we can say Iverson because he was a two sport athlete. LeBron obviously is the the big favorite, and that's what Zion reminds me of. Of. Of that, of a young, of a young Shaq, whoever who can shoot though,
7: right? And and I remember, I mean, I'm dating myself, but when uh, Shaq came out in 1992, uh, Sonny Vaccaro, yeah. of course, the Shoe Man, uh, dear friend of mine. I remember we were uh, on my radio show talking about Shaq, and he predicted that Shaq was going to be a bust, and the reason he did was is that body's just not going to hold up. I mean, he's just too big. I mean, there's you can't hold up. And obviously that wasn't the case, and Shaq became one of the all-time greats. I guess that would be the thing about Zion Williamson. A lot of people just look at when you when you're 19 and you weigh 280, um, like anybody, anybody out there. My my sons are going through this, right? I have a 23 year old son, a 21 year old son, and they're already finding out that whatever you, were, whatever you were doing at 19, if you're still doing it at 23, you're going to start putting in weight. There's things that are going to happen to you. Would you have concerns moving forward on a guy that's already had some injury problems and just the size of this guy, whether it actually may be
8: something that could shorten his career? No, because one, in terms of sports performance training and recovery and all that stuff, it's, it's way more advanced now. And then, as as you mature, the body will change, right? You know, Le- LeBron came in here; he was a pencil, right? He was still physically um, imposing, more imposing than others. But look what he morphed into! He morphed into a defensive end, right? Same thing with Shaq; he morphed into what he is. I remember when I came into the NFL, I was about one ninety eight, you know, and I finished my career. I was, I got up to like 210, 212, but was still lean, and right. and, and I end up being faster. The heavier you know I became, um, and and that will happen. That will change, and, and trust me, they are all hands on deck with this kid to make sure that he gets everything that he needs. Uh, because not not only does New Orleans need him, but the NBA needs him. Oh, they need him
7: absolutely in the worst way. And by the way, I know some people have been critical his first two games because they've lost both these games, and he's only playing partial minutes. Uh, Alvin Gentry is someone I've known for many years. Uh, currently the Pelicans head coach, uh, and he's doing the right thing. I mean, they're not going to be in the playoffs this year. The Pelicans, this guy missed half a season. He's had some injuries. You're not going to start playing this guy 35 minutes a night. no, 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 no. You, you give he you had 18 minutes the first night. He had like 20 minutes and baby steps, baby steps. You gotta be thinking long-term here with a guy like Zion Williamson, as much as you want to see him play. Uh, no, no, no! You just have to sort of take your time. Very simple. Yeah,
8: I agree, and that's why it was, it was funny that that's what happened when he came in the game and went off like that. This is what we need. All right. Well, here's
7: Zion Williamson uh, talking about well, just right now being in the NBA.
8: I feel like I played all right. You know, I think I missed a few passes that Drew and Lonzo threw to me. And I feel like it could have been a couple easy buckets. Um, uh, I was out there when we were getting beat on the offensive rebound side. So I felt like I could have did better with that as well.
7: Well, you know, it's not just his game. He has the personality. I mean, he's engaging. He's a, he, he. You know, he's socially active. I mean, I mean, this is he's got the full package. No question about that. But this is this is one sport, basketball, where the spotlight is on the superstars more than any other sport. Football is such a team thing. Plus, you guys are in uniforms and everything else. You know, baseball is very regional. It's the NBA that produces those national, international superstars like no other sport. And uh, as as important, obviously, is for the Pelicans to sort of get on the map because in the city of New Orleans, right now, you got the Saints, you got LSU, even though they're in Baton Rouge. I mean, they're they're light years ahead of the Pelicans. Uh, but from the
8: NBA standpoint, man, Zion is it. And right, the, he the, needs to deliver. The microscope is what it is because I mean they're they're documenting and televising these kids. I mean an AAU, thirteen and under. You know, um, they're. I remember when I played AAU, we would go to certain tournaments, and you know, you see this kid like, hey man, this kid could be something special. You would see Coach K and, you know, other coaches there to watch a 13-, 14 year old. You know these kids are, are being heralded and pinpointed now. So Zion was definitely one of those kids, and right, it was, it's it's way different to your point. Uniform, right? Someone asked me, "Oh, do you know people recognize you, whatever?" I'm like, unless I'm doing a ton of commercials, right? Others like certain superstars, people don't recognize because we wear helmets, right? Well, and this is the international brand. I mean, the NBA is an international brand
7: much more than all the other sports so they need right, guys it's a that global are, sport it's a global yeah. sport and the, and that's what they bank on this is why that whole fallout with china was a concern because of the amount of money china is infusing into the nba they need all these different uh money links for the league to grow especially when your ratings are down so again a, a guy like zion you can't overstate how important he is uh, for the immediate future of the NBA. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Uh, We'll get back to a lot of Super Bowl 54 talk, but I I do have to mention uh, and get into with you uh, the current state of affairs for one Antonio Brown. What is next? We'll try to figure it out coming up
8: next.
4: You're my favorite icon.
5: Aw, Joseph!
4: Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Thurow Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
9: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast.
10: Steve Harbin and Will
11: blackman here.
4: Zion! Like a lion in Zion.
11: <laughs> Zion. Yeah, very good. You don't good. get it? I damn do it, get Steve.
7: It. I, again, I'm very slow on all this stuff. You have to understand. You know, I think you know me well enough, Will, how my brain operates, right? I got I a no lot damn. of stats in my head, and I got a lot of, you know. So sometimes. I, I, I hate to say this because, you know, I've, I've worked with so many people over the years and I've been accused many times that I'm not really listening to whoever it is sitting next to me. I've been accused by a few people. Now, I do listen on when I really need to hear. Like you're I mean, I could I could listen to Will all day because he has some interesting stories. But if you're going like, you know, the music, I'm not listening. I, I can Sorry. I should be, but I'm not. Steve, you did know that Three Dog Night song from earlier. The it's only out. thing I know about three dog night is the reference to three dog night. You know, you're out there and it's cold night, and they have the dogs like the you know and they. It's a, called a three dog night. Yes.
8: What do you listen to on the radio? Just oh N- that NPR <laughs> N- 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 radio? Is that you? <laughs> no, I
7: do listen to talk radio. A lot of talk radio. I have to admit, I do listen to a lot of talk radio. Music wise, though, I listen to loud music. Really loud music. A lot of that has to do because uh, on Sunday evenings, I drive from Los Angeles back to San Diego in the middle of the night, like midnight to 2 a.m. So, you know, I just crank up really loud music. Whatever's loud. It doesn't matter. That works. Yeah. So I do that kind of stuff. All right. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about uh, Super Bowl 54, obviously. And um, there's a couple of things I want to get to as far as uh, as the matchup is concerned here. Um one of the things I want to talk about is legacy. You know, we have the Hall of Fame going on right now. And uh, recently, a couple of coaches were given notice by the largest human being, by the way, in the world, David Baker. Uh, you saw the Hall of Fame guy. He walked on the set to inform Bill Cower one day and Jimmy Johnson the next. Yep. Uh, if you're not familiar with David Baker, he's the head of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And you're like, is this the biggest human being? Like, He looks like Shrek. Like he's like this human Shrek, he is six foot nine and he weighs four hundred pounds. So your eyes are not deceiving you. Like when he's standing next to Tony Gonzalez, it's like he dwarfs the guy. Okay, so anyway, that's that's that. David, All right, Patrick He's a guy. large man. We get it. Right, right. So let's talk about legacy of coaches, and I want to talk specifically about Andy Reid. Andy Reid has won more games than any coach in the history of the NFL who's never won an NFL championship. You know, we talked earlier about Eli Manning Hall of Fame and the importance of your record in the postseason. When when you look at Andy Reid, and obviously you've played against this guy, you, you know what the Andy Reid story is all about, and he's had a lot of success. But is it as important for a coach to win a Super Bowl in evaluating their career,
8: or even more so, than it is for an actual player. It is extremely important for a coach Mm -hmm. because you're the one that's orchestrating all this and you are measured by wins and championships. You can be one of the greatest players ever and not have any titles. In my personal opinion, and I'm biased, I, I think Barry Sanders is the greatest running back of all time but he doesn't have any of the postseason accolades to, to back that up.
7: So, I mean, when you look at Andy Reid and the idea that this guy consistently gets double-digit wins every single year, gets his team in the playoffs, I mean, he took over a 2-14 Kansas City team, and now mm-hmm. he's gotten them to the Super Bowl. Well, maybe, and turned them
8: over in one year.
7: Right. In one year, he was able to turn around. And then, with a successful quarterback in Alex Smith, having the foresight to see a kid who at Texas Tech had a losing record, a school that had never produced, really, a successful co- uh, quarterback at the NFL record. Think of Graham Harrell, think of of Cliff Kingsbury, guys that put up all these gaudy numbers with Mike Leach at Texas Tech to somehow see something in Patrick Mahomes. And remember this. Who was the number one quarterback hype-wise coming out of that draft? It was Deshaun Watson. And you traded to f- flip over the 12th overall pick where he eventually won uh Deshaun Watson to Houston to take Patrick Mahomes. You want to compare their college careers? I mean, everyone's like, really? You moved up to him take this guy? So, I mean, there's a lot to be said about just the eye for talent and developing that talent, but it's also the idea that you, you got to finish the job, man. you got to win the Super Bowl.
8: Yeah, I felt like in, in this postseason, you know, everyone put a lot of pressure on Brady, a lot of pressure on Lamar Jackson, all these players. But I'm like, if you really think about it, Andy Reid, it, it's, it's him. I, Mahomes is his last chance. Mm-hmm and this is this is one of the best teams that he's had, you know, in a while. Um uh, obviously he had some outstanding teams in Philadelphia. Uh the year they lost uh to New England, uh, that was I mean that was one of his best teams ever. <clears throat> However, th- this this has to be it for him. And this right here this win will be the exclamation point on his career. I posted on Twitter uh earlier this week or last week that in a perfect world Andy Reid wins his title. Andy Reid says, "Peace out." Mm-hmm. Oh, really? And he hands the job to Eric Bieniemy to take over.
7: Oh, I like this a lot. All right, so I agree with you. This, and I've said this about Andy Reid: if they win the Super Bowl, his spot in the Hall of Fame is done. He's in, no question. Over 200 <laughs> wins, and he's got that Super Bowl win. Taking two different, he'll teams get in. To the he'll Super get Bowl. in
8: immediately. I think he'll still get in eventually. He might be one of like, he may be like a senior citizen walking up if he doesn't win. But if he wins this one, it's automatic. Well, Dan Reeves got to four Super Bowls. He's on the outside
7: looking in. How's Mike Holmgren not in the Hall of Fame? I don't, I, that's the one guy I do not understand. He got three different teams to the Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl. And look at his coaching tree. Right. Andy Reid, John Gruda, Mariucci. Who has a better recent coaching tree? I mean, going back to the Bill Walsh days, I mean, how is he not in the Hall of Fame? So anyway, all right, I want to get to Antonio Brown because I talked about it earlier. So Antonio Brown's... Hey, hey, wait really quick. Yeah, quick. I'll, I'll
8: give it to you. Yeah, uh, what do you got? Jim Zorn, yeah. Mike Sherman, mm-hmm. Andy Reed, mm-hmm. Mighty Warner Dick Biggeron, Ray Rhodes, Steve Mariucci, John Gruden.
7: I, I, am I wrong? I mean, is, <laughs> no, is Mike no. Holmgren a no-brain Hall of Famer? I mean, seriously. I mean... I'll put it this way, and this is no disrespect on Bill Cowher, but come on, I mean, you tell me, Bill Cowher's a better Hall of Fame pick than Mike Holmgren?
8: Well, they're, they're both on the list. Well, he's of, one, he's he won up them, you know. What? How I many rings does Andy Reid have? I mean, Mike Holman by himself. He won one
7: Super Bowl. He went to two Super Bowls. You know the thing about Bill Cowher is so Bill Cowher, he went to. He s- was the first McVay, the young. Stud. Well, I, yeah, look, he, and the, the irony, of course, is that he was a disciple of Marty Schottenheimer. Marty brought him into the business. Marty's never going to get a sniff of the Hall of Fame despite 200 wins because he never even got to a Super Bowl. So, you know, players complain sometimes that there's too much emphasis on Super Bowls. I mean, Don Coryell. How's Don Coryell not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, Gavin. I mean there's a guy that actually made an impact on the league,
12: right? <laughs> Should have gone to a Super Bowl. By the way, I'm looking up the coaches that have gone to Super Bowls with two separate teams cuz Andy Reid right. has done that now. Dick Vermeil did it. Yeah, and you named
7: Mike Hol- Holmgren. Right? Um neither one of those guys in the Hall
12: of well, Fame. But
8: speaking of your Chargers, Yeah. Didn't Marty Dard- Didn't Marty Go fourteen and two and yeah, lost his job. That was That's his right, last job. That was yeah. his last season. Fourteen and two and lost his job. I and mean, you're mad because right. Eli. You're mad at Eli for not wanting to go there.
7: Yeah. And that was all because Marlon oh, McCree.
12: I don't blame Eli. The ball. Yeah. Eli. It's one of the weird things where I think both quarterbacks ended up in the right situation. I just do think that Eli gets too much credit for two incredible throws. That
7: well, I you know. well, I mean, too but much, much credit for luck. two incredible throws. Luck. Who says that? One was luck.
12: That how, was, Manningham... how was it
7: luck? Whoa, whoa, whoa. First of all, before the throw to Tyree, how about just getting away from being sacked? I mean,
12: no, you got to give him credit for that. No, He's absolutely. not exactly the most athletic
10: guy, Russell Wilson... but somehow he
7: wiggled out of it and made the throw. Russell Wilson does that every quarter.
12: So, come
7: on. Not in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. I, I don't want to overplay this. i got less than a minute. Antonio Brown, is he ever going to see the light of day in the NFL?
8: Absolutely not. However, every time I say that, Somebody works him out. This would be a case where because he is that good of a player mm-hmm. that if he figures figures it out with the right people in terms of rehabilitating himself, proving that he can do all this, he may have a suitor in like two years.
7: Well, listening to his attorney saying he has no mental problems as long as he has enablers around him, instead of actually admitting that he may have a problem in dealing with it, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's around the league right now. But something is seriously wrong with him something right now, is, and he needs though, to take care so, of it.
8: Something is, and, and and you can just see it, obviously, in his lifestyle and mm-hmm. in how he looks and what he's doing, but because he is that good. That's why it's, it's funny to me every time... Uh, a story comes out with Antonio Brown, and then some somebody wants to be like, "Oh, and Kaepernick can't get a phone call." It's like it, this is we're talking two different spectrums of of type of player. Why did why did eight hundred year old Brett Favre get twenty million dollars from the Vikings because he's Brett Favre when he when he you know pseudo retired and they they kept bringing him back. Like if Favre, I feel like Favre if he worked out right now, like he would he would have a suitor, right. Well, I mean, because Cap Cap was a—he's a—he was a good quarterback. He's—he's an NFL quarterback that belongs in the NFL, absolutely. But in terms of the caliber, Mm elite-wise, like AB skill-wise, can always argue he can is one, one or two. Uh, One quick word
7: here: if if AB had been able to figure out how to stick with the Patriots, would the Patriots be in the Super right now? No question. Hear that? No question. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Much more on that on the other side, but let's find out what's trending right now. At David Gascon. Get Hello. anything uh, out for David? Hey, Wake up, for, Dave.
8: For, <laughs> I've been awake.
5: <laughs> hey, what, what, is, what happened? You <laughs> I know, know. What's going on there? Are you right? watching the golf right <laughs> now? In Tiger's the, on fire. Not. Not. Who's, in
8: the, who's in the studio? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Absolutely not. I want to be asleep
7: watch <laughs> the golf. <laughs>
11: Anyways. I can um, always hear the mic grab. I love those. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Yeah, nothing. These nothing things are all. a bit old, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. archaic, like twenty years old. Uh, <laughs> See, you you're older than these things, Steve, but you look half the age of these microphones. Oh, I don't know, but I mean, I, 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 I You know,
7: I never move. I, I will say this: I, I'm, I'm notorious for like never moving, uh, especially on location. I'd always have partners, and they'd be off and running to talk to people, and I just sit there. You know, once I'm locked
8: into my seat, I'm sort of. What just, do you mean in there. the studio seat? Yeah. You bounce around way too much. What? You think so? Yes. You mean basically? <laughs> <laughs> like a- All right, Gascon. Sorry. Uh, very good. <laughs>
11: Might be at Super Bowl Radio Row, right? Where Steve yeah. just sits and watches. Oh, that. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Guys, let's start things off in college basketball today. Illinois, Michigan, we're in a dogfight. Dosumu, top of the key, driving, pull up from 15 in. Yeah, Illinois prevailed. He had twenty-seven on the day. Illinois beat Michigan sixty-four to sixty-two was the final score. West Virginia had no problems with Missouri winning by game by twenty-three points. And number sixteen Auburn is now seventeen and two. They dropped Iowa State, come, trying to come from behind, eighty to seventy-six. There's a few other games that are in progress right now. Number twenty-four Rutgers is in front of Nebraska by a couple. Louisville and Clemson underway in the first half. It is all Louisville in this thing. They're up by eighteen points already. 31 to 13 and number 9 Villanova on the road at Providence lately by a score of 48 to 45. Meanwhile in the NBA, one quick note, New York Knicks have announced that RJ Barrett has moved from crutches to a walking boot. Will be evaluated and reevaluated in 1 week from now. And of course, National Football League, uh, TMZ reporting that owner Robert Kraft has told media outlets that Tom Brady will be back this upcoming season. Anyways, back to Steve. Doing his thing with well in just 10 seconds, but first a word from farmers. Winter means it's time to bundle up your insurance. Bundle home and auto with farmers, and you could save an average of 20%. Call 1 800 Farmers to get a quote today.
2: We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Reported 2018 Nationwide Average Savings underwritten by Farmers, truck fire, Insurance Exchanges, and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.
7: Gentlemen, back to you. All right, thank you very much, uh, David. Once again, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save 15% or more on your car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. By the way, uh, Will, you were mentioning earlier about uh, being in the Super Bowl and having to take care of uh, friends and family with tickets and everything else. Uh, This just in, uh, the Hunt family is hosting 2,000 staff, friends, and family for the Super Bowl. 2,000. Absolutely. That's 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 a big contingent. By the way, there's a little symmetry here. The Forty ers won their last Super Bowl twenty-five years ago, and the Chiefs won their only Super Bowl 50 years ago. So uh these are two proud franchises, no question about that. The 49ers, of course, are now trying to join Pittsburgh and New England as the only franchises to win six Super Bowls uh in their
8: history. Yeah, they haven't been in how long, Kansas City? Kansas City, 50 years. They played in um, Super Bowl 1 which was not yeah, even called I'm Super Bowl. I'm the Hunt family. One. I'm buying 2000
9: tickets. No, yeah. to
12: their own credit, Jed York and the Niners are flying all of their staff out as yes. well. Yeah, yes. we know, yeah,
7: yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying it's got to be even. No it doesn't. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> no it
8: doesn't.
7: Um do you like the new blood? I mean, I mean Kansas City, it's interesting about Kansas City cuz you know, again, dating myself. I mean, I watched Super Bowl 4. I was 11 years old. Uh and I was a fan of the AFL. It was the last game between an AFL champion and an nfl champion before the two leagues merged officially the following year and there was still that stigma that the afl was inferior namath had pulled the upset the year before for the jets okay
8: let me stop you right there please what happened may i
7: can i go back in time joe namath yeah
8: in the hall of fame because
7: he's in the hall of fame because of two things one obviously was the impact of super bowl three In other words, if you go by the, can you write the history of the NFL without mentioning this person, the answer is no, because you have to understand the context of what that victory by the Jets did. Right, It legitimized an entire league that was already going to merge with the NFL. There were a lot of people that were sort of saying, they're merging these two leagues, but they're not equal. Right, The Jets were the third best team in the AFL behind the Raiders and the Chiefs, and they beat... Not just a good Colts team, a historic Colts team that year. Yep. The other thing about it is, Joe Namath was the first quarterback ever to throw for four thousand yards in a season, and he did it in a fourteen-game season. By the way, it was not done again until Dan Fouts twelve years later when they went to a sixteen-game season. So, when you look at Joe Namath's numbers, and he had fifty more interceptions than touchdowns, barely completed 50% twenty-seven thousand passing had yards. a losing record it takes it out of context. We talk about peak value. See, this is the whole argument. It's like the Kurt Warner situation or Terrell Davis. You know, Tony Baselli is another guy in that list. You know, guys that had short careers, but when they were there, like at their peak, they were a dominant player. That was Joe Namath. I mean, he wasn't just a guy. Um, when he signed out of Alabama to join the AFO and the Jets, um, he put that franchise on the map. So, Passed for
12: 4,000 yards once in a season right. and over 20 touchdowns twice.
7: Right, but again,
8: you I, have to put in the context era, of the no, time. Let, let's let's finish.
7: Well, that, that, again, if you're looking at the overinflated numbers you see right now, where everybody throws their 4,000, 5,000 yards, nobody throws interceptions or anything like that, how did you compare with your contemporaries? Were you a dominant player during the time that you played? Not in comparison to guys that played 50 years later. you got to look past the numbers. Football, to me, is not a numbers game. Baseball is, for some reason. I, as a, I'm as saying from a numbers So what guy, is
8: football? If it's not a numbers thing to you, it's a Football is
7: an impact on your sport. I mean, I, I look at a Hall of Fame. So what
8: you're saying is Eli's in the Hall of Fame, should be.
7: Well, no. Well,
8: okay. Dun, dun, dun. Johnny United, forty
12: thousand <laughs> passing yards. Yeah. about fifty more touchdowns than interceptions.
7: Right. Well, Johnny United is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. <laughs> That's what the Hall of Fame is for. But I will. Well, Bart Starr <laughs> never threw more than sixteen touchdown so my, passes so, in a season. So my reason for asking. But he also won five NFL championships. My reason for
8: asking that question is yeah. I, I already I knew the answer. I want to hear you say it. and right. yes. Joe it his impact in terms of his legacy and the history. How the history of the game has changed because right. of what he did in terms of guaranteeing the victory to you know for right. a legit reason. It wasn't so much like I guarantee cause we're a better team it was we're a better league. You know, and, and right? It, was, it legitimized it legitimized. So that's what I'm saying. Every like, a- he, I guarantee this. So every he, AFL player after that Super
7: Bowl, every one of them. Personally, thank Joe
8: Namath. Thank you, Joe. Absolutely, and it and it was because it was an historical legacy moment for him Correct. that solidified his 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 own legacy. Yes, and that's where I come to play with Eli Manning in terms of what he has done twice mm-hmm. versus two outstanding Patriot teams, and oh. he came through and got it done for himself. And and got those Super Bowl titles and Super Bowl MVP, meaning he has played like yeah. Patriots won last year but was Tom Brady MVP. No, it was Julian Edelman. Both times Eli Manning got it done, and that's what really solidified his legacy. Because does what whatever you do, you can do a lot of things. Like you said, Dan Reeves is still not in, right? Right. But once you get those titles, they really boost up your ability. To Get in, and I feel like he had to like to take down the one team that could have been under. I mean, th- they did have the most wins, you know, they were 18 and all pretty much. And to take that team, those that one of the best teams ever assembled in football, to take that team down, you know, and then to take down the Patriots again, that's where it comes into play. Like, that's where he solidified, right? And I legacy. think.
7: As, time, as you get separated, you know, you have that five-year waiting period. I think it's going to help Eli Manning. It really will.
8: I love the fact that I'm 35 and I can, like, talk ball with you like this. This is cool. <laughs>
7: well, I mean, I know you. <laughs> well, first of all, Will, here's here's the thing. You know, I work uh, with a lot of athletes over the years. Some of them are really into the history of their games. Some aren't. That's well, fine. I mean, not everybody has to be. And I think, have a historical and this reference. Is,
8: this is where I think my father, because he had a ton of VHS. All right. Uh, tapes with, you know, either Inside the NFL, The Hidden NFL, Football Follies, all these cool things. So I grew up with watching the Sable family produce and John Vicenda's voice and, mm-hmm. and all these things. Yeah. So I literally, I remember I went to an event um, uh, this, I think Hank Basket had an event somewhere in, I think, Pasadena and I remember Tim Brown was there mm-hmm. and a bunch of like old school Raider guys and this, that and every time they would tell stories they'd be like, hey man, yeah, this, this you know you're too young for this, too young for this. I'm like, yeah, I was not there, but I I did my homework, right? You know, in terms of understanding the history of the game. So
7: sure, I mean, I mean, look, it's not for everybody. See, Look at you, I you're in it.
8: the chair sliding around right now. That's well, my whole I point. Just,
7: I I yes. I am an animated guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Jeez. leave the chair. I'm a little bit of an animated guy. Uh, but anyway, all that <laughs> uh, I, I I just think this is going to be a very very entertaining Super Bowl. Matchup. It will be. Uh, all right, I want to get a little bit more into the depth of this game. The 49ers have used a game plan, and so have the Chiefs. But really, this game comes down to strength versus strength. So who comes out on top, right?
8: The two fastest teams are
7: playing. Ooh! Oh, and there's one player in particular I've got to ask you about. One guy, one player that's going to be on the field in Super Bowl 54, above all others, that i got to get the opinion of Will Blackman about from the Geico Fox sports radio studios coming up next now Johnny Unitas there's a haircut you could set your watch to Steve Harbin and Will Blackman we are keeping our eyes on the farmers farmers insurance open out at Torrey Pines where uh Tigers made a move today has uh, gotten a seven under three shots off the lead so uh, again looking to break Sam Snead's all-time record <laughs> Uh, which uh, would be his 83rd PGA title, which is just mind-boggling, especially considering just a couple of years ago we thought he'd never play again. So, uh, oh, the golf gods
8: are Tiger smiling. Tiger has the power. He is is getting kind of hectic. Oh man, it's I mean, getting. It's getting kind of hectic. Yeah, it is. I <laughs> yeah, mean, personal.
7: It, it's personal. It's good stuff. It really is great stuff. Great stuff for golf, that's for sure. All right. I wanted to ask you about one guy on this field coming up here, Super Bowl 54 down in Miami. There's a lot of talent on both sides.
8: Oh, Honey Badger? No, I like, I, like, <laughs> I like Honey Badger a
7: lot. I do. I've always been. By the way, he made my final three Heisman list back in 2011. He got third place vote on my vote. He got fifth in the battle. He always loved his game. Tyreek Hill. I want to ask you about Tyreek Hill, because when I watch Tyreek Hill, I mean, the speed factor is obvious. We could see that. But I just, I know that Michael Thomas, rightfully so, gets a lot of credit. He was breaking records and everything else. But am I wrong in thinking the fear factor amongst NFL wide receivers, number one is Tyreek Hill. Is he that kind of a wide receiver or overplaying him? What do you mean? Number one, fear factor. Well, and I fear factor in the sense of he is—he's going to run so by you. Dangerous, but it's more than he just doesn't run by you. His ability to catch the football, he—he he just makes plays, and especially when you have a mobile quarterback like Patrick Mahomes that can buy time.
8: It just seems to me like Tyreek Hill, is you, there is no answer for this guy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like as a defensive back, unless you know. You got action too in terms of speed. Majority, that's the biggest fear. It's like this dude will legit run by me. And he has he has two routes that are extremely dangerous. When he's on the slot, he, he'll run the, the slot fade route. And that is – this is what's crazy to me is I, I watch these defenses and I watch safeties. It's like in the history of football for offenses, I don't care who the coordinator is, if your fastest player – or your best receiver is in the slot, he is getting the football, period. And so what's mind-boggling is when I see Tyreek Hill in the slot, let's say if it's Twins, he's number two, or if it's Trips, he's the third receiver uh, counting outside in, the safety does not even lean over there. Like, that's where the ball is going because that's the, that is the easiest throw. You give room for, for the receiver. I mean, you've seen Joe Burrow hit that route, like three times in the championship game. Also, too, the other route, he runs that that deep over route where he starts on the left hash and he ends up catching the football on the far right numbers because it's easy to separate from that. He's that fast, and that's where it makes it dangerous because, yes, you, you want to account for him, but this is where it makes crazy. You also have Sammy Watkins. You also have Hardman. You also have – you know, Kelsey Robinson. You, also, you have all these other guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's legit track me And I remember Ty- Tyreek Hill said in one of his interviews is that the, all the receivers get together and they they do legit track workouts. They run repeat three hundreds, repeat four hundreds, two hundreds. And if they're if they're training like that, mm-hmm. you already know what time it is. They're conditioned to run all damn day. All right. So the Titans decided
7: to drop everybody in coverage. They didn't have a pass rush. I mean, they were rushing three guys Mahomes had all day. And, again, when I get back to a guy like Tyree Hill, he's not just running. I mean, he can find an open spot. If you're going to give them enough time, he's going to find his way to get open. So whatever the Titans were doing, I I can't think that is a strategy the 49ers are going to follow. So, with all that speed that they have at wide receiver, and with this superhuman quarterback that can throw anything and, well, by and, time, and And can
8: run and can run, <laughs> so what is your what is your well here's the difference. what is your strategy? Well, here's the difference: one, they you look at the tight end secondary; they have one player that can that can for real run and keep up, and that's Odori Jackson, right? But you know, obviously his his coverage skills are questionable. He's just a really good athlete overall who can play offense, defense, return mm-hmm. like he did in college. Um, Logan Ryan's really good player, really good technical, technical, but not like fast like that. Then you look at the safeties, Kenny Vaccaro, uh, Kevin Byard, same thing. Really good, smart veterans, uh, elite in terms of Byard. He's a you know, first team All Pro guy. But when does a track mean out there, it's different. So if you want to drop everybody, do you have enough pass rushes that can get it done? You look at San Fran; mm. they have a bunch of young guys who can run. And they got, they got Sherman, who's the general back there in terms of what's going on. You have linebackers that can run. You can drop all those guys in the coverage, play whatever you want, and you have four legit pass rushers that can cause havoc. And that is the benefit that that the Niners have over everybody.
7: And by the way, D. Ford, of course, came over from Kansas City. When he was out, suddenly that pass rush wasn't as formidable as far as the 49ers concerned. Once he's come back, wow. I mean – their depth on that defensive line is second to none and this that's league important. right now.
8: And that's important. Absolutely important. And when I was on my two teams, the Giants, both both years, uh, they had, while well, I was on the second team, that, that year we had a huge rotation, eight guys rotating, hitting Tom Brady.
7: We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Much more breakdown of Super Bowl 54 coming up next.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
3: Hi, checking in for...
4: You're my favorite icon.
5: Aw, Joseph.
4: Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Thoto Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
9: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport, and I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Reality. Podcast.
7: Ah, yes, rolling along on this big, big Saturday, eight days away from kickoff of Super Bowl 54. We are coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. All right, so, um, by the way, a little side note here. White House visit. I see where Jed York says he hopes the 49ers are in position to visit the White House. Richard Sherman is on record saying, I don't think that's going to happen. How do you feel about that? Are these White House visits uh, even necessary? I, 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 because they become so polarizing. So, And whatever side you're on, whether I mean, there were those that didn't go when Obama was president. Obviously, there are those that don't go when Trump was president. I mean, you know, politics is just—it is what it is, right? You know, very divided, one side or the other. But why, why, why is it even necessary for these White House visits? Did you go on your White House visit? We did. You did. Yeah. How was it? It was cool. It was hot. It was hot. Yeah. Okay, and and you were there. President Obama was there, and so I mean, was there any controversy? I mean, now, about you guys? No. no.
8: Everybody liked Obama.
7: Well, you know, who passed on him a couple of times was Tom Brady. Oh, well. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, <laughs> everyone has their own politics. I'm not going to go down that
8: path, but no, I'm just. It was cool, you know. I Right? Right? It's the White House. I want to go to the White House, but I understand where you may not agree with who's there, and you're like, I don't want to be associated. Right. Right. Well, and that's fine. I mean, if, you you may not want to be etched in history with a team photo with someone you don't agree with how he does things. Okay, so that's fair. It's a free country, right? Of course, that's what that's what will happen. All right, I
7: want to get back to the game. More important things. All right, so we're we're talking. We're just sort of touching upon matchups right now, uh, and how the 49ers you know, are going to attack that a passing attack led by. And by the way, side note on Mahomes. Isn't it amazing. All year long, we're talking about Lamar Jackson, and rightfully so. He had a historic season. Clearly the best quarterback during the season. I remember about midway through, Mahomes missed a couple of games of the injuries. And he came back, and he still wasn't putting up the kind of glossy numbers that we saw a year ago. And I'm like, what happened to Mahomes? I thought, I thought it was all about Patrick Mahomes. He dislocated his knee. Correct. He wasn't 100% <laughs> healthy. But now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, that's right. That guy. <laughs> Uh, and now no one's thinking about Lamar Jackson. We—I never even asked you about the whole Lamar Jackson uh, saga and how it ended. Uh, what
8: happened? I it mean, ended, it ended just how I thought it would. Really? You yeah. Know, that I picked Tennessee. Why? I just felt like their style of football, the Ravens, was bully ball. Mm-hmm. And we're just gonna because I—I I say in football, at the end of the day, physical teams will always beat finesse teams. At the end of the day, when you know it comes down to it, and I just felt like the one team that Tennessee was—I mean, that the Baltimore Raiders was not going to push over was the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, they but play bully ball. They were built for that. They were built for that type of game, right? Where they're going to run the football. And I looked at the Cleveland game. If they could run, for, if they could run it how Cleveland ran it, then it's going to force Lamar Jackson to be in a situation where he's going to have to drop back and throw it fifty times, mm-hmm. and he'll get he'll get. Really antsy because he's like, I need to make a play. He's so used to making these magical plays that he's going to end up throwing the ball, throw, giving some turnovers. And,
7: and by it. the way, in that game, not only in playoff history, NFL history, in 100 years of NFL football, in that game, in that loss to the Titans, Lamar Jackson became the first quarterback ever in any game to have at least 50 pass attempts
8: and 20 rushing attempts. Yeah. Never happened. Yeah, he, he had game. 330 and like 140. Yeah, you know? he had 500 yards total offense. But yeah, it was in his hands, and that's what that was going to happen. And then you have a really smart secondary who is not worried about any of your receivers. Mm-hmm. You're just worried about Lamar Jackson. And here's where I got confused in that game: is Gus Edwards is more than capable of running for 100 yards, right? And I know it was it hurt that Ingram wasn't there, but Edwards is more than capable. But that's that's what happened. And and here's here's the thing too: what Lamar Jackson is. He He already won in terms of like where his career is already for him to finally have his first full year as a starter and to do what he has done already. He already won, like yes, he's going to walk across that stage you know next week and, and be the MVP. I remember when I got in the league, like quarterback sat. Because you want them to sit back, learn, they're not ready. You want them to mature and grow up. Nowadays, we're throwing quarterbacks in there now because, one, they're ready to play based off of how the development is now um, through all these like quarterback camps and coaches and gurus and, you know, the Elite 11, and they, they're they playing now as freshmen. And we put these quarterbacks in, it gives us the cap to spend to build the team around them. And so he already won. For him to be how old he is now, and to already having this type of success, is like what? Like what? Like what do you like? What do you want? He's gonna win the MVP. Oh, he can't. He's gonna win the MVP. Right and well, and that and that
7: also also gets in the argument about all these awards. <laughs> and this is every sport, by the way: NHL, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA. The awards, the season awards, are voted on at the end of the regular season. Now, they're always handed out much later, so sometimes it can be awkward. Like, wait a second. He's the MVP? He's the coach of the year? Do you see what happened in the playoffs? The voting is done. Yeah, Baltimore. Regular, regular season.
8: Do you like that? Do you Baltimore like- lost. Right. And he still had 330 and 140. Right. So he still played. I mean, right. They weren't the plays that were made that helped him be in position to, you know, actually win the game. But he still had a crazy game. He had a crazy game, but I also it's interesting. He's
7: only lost 3 regular season games as a starting quarterback and he's 0 2 in the playoffs. And and we've been talking about, you know, legacy and how the postseason makes your legacy and the validity of Eli Manning as a Hall of Fame quarterback because of those two magical Super Bowl
8: runs. You know why they lost? Cuz Derrick Henry ran on air. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they lost. Cuz he had 180 yards rushing. Plus, that's why they lost. And as uh, Kansas City found out, the way to stop Derrick
7: Henry is get the lead because he was on pace for another huge game against Kansas City early on when the Titans were up 17-7, but once they fell behind, no but, more
8: Derrick Henry. But they also made some outstanding tackles. Mm. Like Sorensen was making unbelievable tackles on, on Derrick Henry. Literally just run through – His like his knee or grab his or his thigh, like go after his legs. All
7: right, so here's Derrick Henry. You know, six three, two hundred fifty plus pounds, runs a four five forty, and he's he's heading straight for you, Will Blackman. Yes. All right, all he's thinking is, I am gonna run this guy over. Right. What is your attack? You go right after
8: his thigh. That's your best chance. And how's that impact feel when you hit that thigh? It depends. Depends what shoulder pads you have on. Depends on your build. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, run through his thigh, because if there is one weak spot that he's looking for, it is between the ankles mm-hmm. and the quad. It's quad, knee, shin. You you lay into that, and that's what happened. Sorensen came at an angle, dove right in there, and and Derrick Henry tried to avoid it, and he ended up taking out both legs. Right, where guys. Do the dumbest thing is they're trying to strip the ball from Henry. If you go at his shoulders, you're going to get thrown to the bleachers. That is a guarantee. I don't understand why guys do that every time. Like, stop reaching. When I saw that run last year versus the Jaguars where he ran down the field and just smacked everybody out the way, it's like, why are you reaching for his upper body?
7: Let me ask you this about the 49ers' offense. Obviously, their game plan is to run the ball. Mostert comes out of Nowhere. Nowhere has one of the greatest playoff games in history. 220 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, it's a very short list of playoff games to match that one for Mostert, uh, especially after Tevin Coleman went down. So, can the 49ers follow that same game plan? Because statistically, the Chiefs are not a good run defense. It would seem to me the 49ers should have the same level of success, of even greater success going against that
8: Chiefs defense with a run-dominated offensive game plan. Well, here's what makes defending both teams difficult. So when I look at the Niners, this is why I feel like they're a tough matchup for anybody, is because every single person – like if you're dressed for that game on offense and you're a skill guy, you're touching the football. Everyone is getting the football. Everyone on that team is really good at yards after catch. Emmanuel Sanders – was a pretty good punt returner. Debo Samuel in college did everything that he's doing right now. You got three running backs that are capable. We don't know uh, Coleman's situation and off the bench. I mean, you got Dante Pettis who has the record for punt returns in college. Everyone who touches the football, that's why Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo will throw a six-yard pass and it'll turn into a 50-yard gain. I look at Kansas City, same thing. Everybody on that offense will touch the football. Everybody on that offense can catch a six yard route and turn it to fifty yard gain. Everyone on their offense probably runs a four three. Wow. I'm <laughs> okay now. <laughs> all right. Well that's not fair. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's like it's like what do you what do you do? You go at the head of the snake. Can you affect Mahomes? The game that they lost last year that was one of the best games I've ever seen versus the Rams. The Rams end up getting to Mahomes. Yes. That was the issue, where right. Mahomes started turning the ball over, and then defense started scoring points. Right. I could see this game being like that, where it's a 50-45, like that type of game where it's just like points after points after points because the, the running backs are just as explosive. I think Mozart and Breida, they both are 4-3 guys, and that's the type of offense where – not taking any credit for them, but if you go back into history, you, you look at Mike Shanahan, the running backs he had, you know, outside of, you know, Portis and Terrell Davis, guys were in there. I mean, learned as Gary came in there and, and got 1,000 yards. And then you look at what Kubiak did. You know, he revived Justin Forsett's career in Baltimore, getting him into the Pro Bowl with that offense.
7: Right. All right. Uh, as we get ready for this uh, Super Bowl, Uh, One thing about the NFL celebrating 100 years is that every single decade has had a clearly defined team of the decade. It's amazing how they've been able to do this over their history. So is it possible that one of these two teams could become the team of the decade in the 2020s? We'll tell you who has a better chance of being that team from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios coming up next.
1: Terms and conditions apply.
5: Juan Gabriel, Juanes, Selena,
4: Selena,
5: Celia Cruz, Azucar, Harold G,
4: La Bichota,
5: Christina Aguilera, ExTina, just to name a few.
4: We're serving the whole story,
5: from rags to riches,
4: and all the tea in between.
5: I'm Liliana Vasquez,
4: and I'm Joseph Carri,
5: and we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season Two.
4: Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Thura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
9: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast.
7: Steve Hartman and Will Blackman with you. Hey, by the way, do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. Fortunately, GEICO makes it easy to bundle your home and auto insurance. Good thing, too, because having a home is hard work. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, see how much you could save. GEICO.com. It's easy. On my block?
8: Yes. Do you know Scarface?
7: I do, yes. The rapper? Oh, no. All right. I I thought you meant the movie. I didn't (laughs) I mean, that's, that's my year, Scarface. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I'm old school. No, you're not. To my All right. Um to my All right. Here's one thing about how this league can change around the NFL. So last year at this time, we're getting ready for New England and the Rams in the Super Bowl. And all eyes are on Sean McVay. He is the new superstar of the NFL. Takes over a 4-12 and Rams team. Gets to the playoffs his first year. Boom, he's in the Super Bowl second year. He is the star of the NFL. That's impressive. It was incredible. But now, it's all about Kyle Shanahan. Let me ask you right now. If you were to start a franchise today, and you had a choice of hiring Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan
8: to be your head coach. Who would you choose? Would you choose Bill Walsh or Mike Holmgren?
7: I would take Bill Walsh. I'll take Kyle Shanahan. Okay, well, I'll explain that now. Okay, so, <laughs> so, okay, so now, didn't McVay work for Shanahan? He did at Washington with the Redskins, yeah, technically. Yeah, point. he did. That's my point. Okay. So in other words, I want B guy. Okay. This this is a little tricky for me. <laughs> and I'll tell you and I'm gonna explain why this is a little tricky for me. Back in the day when I worked for the then LA Raiders, we hired thirty five year old Mike Shanahan as our head coach. I was there running the press conference the day he was introduced, and I was introduced to his then eight year old son, Kyle. That's the first time I met Kyle Shanahan. He was the eight-year-old son of our new 35-year-old head coach, Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan sort of rubbed us the wrong way with the Raiders and has rubbed me the wrong way. I've always said this about Mike Shanahan. There are a lot of successful coaches, and certainly he was one of them. But his ego, wow. Wow. He had an ego before he did anything. It carries on to this day. I mean, it's just the way he carries himself. Maybe maybe he's not quite that way, but I had daily dealings with this guy uh, long before anybody even recognized Mike Shanahan. So maybe I can't get the Mike Shanahan persona out of my mind when I'm thinking about Kyle Shanahan. So I'm going to separate the two. Tell me about Kyle Shanahan and why you believe right now Amongst the
8: young coaches, he's the guy. Why? Because he's he's proving it on in terms of calling plays where everywhere he's gone so far. You know, he did it with Washington, he he did it with Atlanta, and then he comes over here and gets the plays he wants, you know, for his style of play, and he's getting it done again. So at the end of the day, like he he always finds a way to produce the numbers to put your to give your team a chance offensively.
7: I'm always curious about this. When you and when you're a defensive player and you're preparing against the other team's offense and you're watching film and everything else. How do you take into account play calling by the other team? In other words, trying to anticipate a pattern or anything as far as the plays they call. Is that Easier with certain teams? Can it be extremely difficult with
8: certain teams? How does that work? Well, it depends. So, so playing the Patriots, is like obviously, yes, you have Tom Brady. But it's more about what the Patriots do offensively. They have an encyclopedia, an encyclopedia full of formations. Like they'll come out with, with three tight ends and spread them out where it looks like they have five wide receivers. So guess what? Because they have three three tight ends on the field, you have a bunch of linebackers who now have to cover in space. So the the Pages do a great job of finding the mismatch, right? Where then you look at you look at uh, the Niners, with, Shan, with Shanahan, he has he has certain different formations but a lot of like plays that follow off of one another. Like there was a play against Green Bay where they ran, you know, stretch to the right. They gave the ball to, to Moser, and they also ran uh, Debo Samuel on a ghost motion, or you can call it high motion, where he motions behind the backfield. And when they ran that play, they gave the ball to Moser, but he but on the backside, nobody had contain. So guess what happened? Kyle Shanahan ran the same exact play. This time he faked the handoff and he gave the ball to Debo Samuel. Nobody was contained backside and, and ran different yards. So he just, he has so many different plays that features everybody. That's what I meant by earlier that Kyle Shanahan gets everybody involved offensively. I, I don't think people get this stuff. You know, when, we,
7: when we're watching a game, right? You got an offense, you got a defense, they run the play, guy makes a tackle, guy runs for a touchdown, whatever. But when when you're a defensive player and teams, the offensive team's coming to the line of scrimmage and whatever their formation it is, I mean, there's got to be a million things running through your mind because you're going back in your mind yeah. over things you studied in preparation for that team, and you're looking for certain things to sort of tip you off
8: one way or the other about what's going to actually happen once they snap the ball. Right. No. Th- no, there is. But... Also, I think what helps too is like so say if you get a you get a, a, a game this a matchup and you look one is there anybody offensively on that team that is a threat right right in terms of skill wise um so I feel like this year the Patriots problem was there wasn't one receiver right that was a threat by themselves. But if they had had Antonio Brown
7: for the entire year, that whole dynamic would have changed.
8: Oh, yeah, or if the if the Josh Gordon thing worked out how, right. how I thought it should have, that's where, mm-hmm. look at this. Yeah, I like that. How about that? Mm-hmm. I know, huh? <laughs> well, you're on demand. I I'm know on that. demand, I know. Yeah. Um, if that thing worked out as it needs to be for, for Josh Gordon, right. But there was nobody offensively mm-hmm. that helped. Because, okay, now you take away Jimmy Edelman. Now what? Yeah. You know, so you look at who's a threat offensively. If, if no one is, then you're good. If playing Green Bay, you know, once again, you got one guy, Aaron Rodgers, you got to stop him. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things into that when you when you get the game plan. But when you look at somebody like the Niners or the Chiefs, right. there's, there's not only so many formations in place, but there are so many different uh, threats.
7: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, the Patriots offense. You remember when they got Randy Moss? Suddenly they're setting records. I mean, they went from a good offense to a record-setting offense. Same thing when Gronk was at its peak. When you suddenly have an elite guy that other defense has to account for. Let me ask you this. Was there a better midseason acquisition in the NFL than Emmanuel Sanders?
8: And what, is, what did he mean for that 49er offense? That was that was the big play receiver that they were missing. That was you know they had you know Goodwin who you know he has he can he's a track guy who can like the, the word is take the top of the defense. They had a Pettis who very athletic but maybe had issues making the tough third and ten third and fifteen catch. But you have a guy Manuel Sanders who can do both, who has played in big games, who is an elite level type of receiver. That I mean that that, that was everything for them. Because now, it opened things up for everybody else. When you have a guy that can do that, that's that's where it matters. You know, that's where Green Bay struggled because Devontae was it.
7: All right, on the other side, I want to get down to uh, what the Chiefs' defensive strategy is going to be in this game. Because there's a lot of big questions going against that 49er offense. We know what 49ers are trying to prepare for, Right. All That Speed and a guy named Patrick Mahomes. What on the other side of the football? We're on the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios right here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Let's find out what's trending once again. By the way, have you been watching some of this uh, golf here, uh, Mr. Gascon? No. Uh, A guy named Tiger Woods is on fire. Is it a major? Ooh. Wait a second. What about the fact that he's going for the all-time career record for wins? I mean, does that matter to you? No, I guess not. No. So you say call you in April when we get the uh, Masters going? I, I, mean, I
11: that's
7: what it's all about, right? Oh, I thought it was all about Tiger. Like anytime Tiger's on a leaderboard anywhere.
11: Well, yeah, if you're a network, of course it is. Oh. I no. Mean, Thousand bucks, you missed that putt. He brings in the money. but well, yeah.
7: By, by the way, no one ever tells Gascon how to prioritize his updates, all right? Don't even go there. Are you sure?
11: Gavin <laughs> tries to tell you me. You tell me. <laughs> oh I just de no. Probably I'll didn't. decide. <laughs> Farmer's insurance opens and Steve took us there. We will leave there. Ryan Palmer is your leader. He's at 10 under par right now. And Tiger Woods, he's two strokes behind the leader. John Rahm is at minus eight as well. J.B. Holmes at minus eight. Brant Snedeker is one stroke behind him as well. And Rory McIlroy is at six under par as we speak. Guys, Major League Baseball Dodgers president Stan Craston actually addressed the media today and talking about the Astros, the Red Sox. A little bit of a quote here from me. It says, As to anything more than that, let's remember the investigation isn't over. And I really want to wait until it's over to find out things that we do not know. I like to have answers to the questions of what happened, by whom, and to when. I don't have any of those just yet. I'm also interested to read the Astros' plan to have things to say at some point very soon. I want to hear that also before we say anything more about what happened. Obviously, with the... 2017 World Series and 2018 Dodgers lost both those times to Houston and the Boston Red Sox. College basketball scene today. Number 14, West Virginia had no problems with Missouri winning at 74 to 51. Number 21, Illinois taking on Michigan.
6: Dosumu, top of the key, driving, pull up from 15 is Yeah,
11: Illinois came from behind a seesaw battle that beat Michigan 64-62. Number nine, Villanova pulled away late to beat Providence by four. Number 16, Auburn is now 17-2 this season. They drop Iowa State 80-76. to And Rutgers with an 11-point lead over Nebraska. Louisville up by 20 over Clemson. Fellas, back to you. All
7: right, David, thank you very much. Once again, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more into car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. I always love the optics of watching any of these college all-star games because you have the the uniforms or generic uniforms, but you have your own helmet, right? So it's, it always looks cool to me, Will, when you have like a, a Michigan helmet and he's playing next at Ohio State, whatever the uh, combination is. Just looks, the optics look good to me. It looks uh, like an all-star game, right? And exactly. So, uh, hey, when you look at a kid like Shea Patterson, who really never blossomed into the kind of quarterback I'm sure Jim Harbaugh was hoping to be at Michigan, does he have a lot of gain by playing in the Senior Bowl? I mean, uh, is this a guy that uh, whose stock could actually uh, shift significantly simply
8: based on his uh, week at the Senior Bowl? Uh, totally. But this is this goes back to my point of. Maybe maybe it's the system for you. Maybe you, you just have to be in the right place, under the right eyes, mm-hmm. throwing to better players. Maybe it'll help you shine.
7: Did you they, when you played in the senior bowl? Oh, and there's gosh. a pick. <laughs> just as we say that <laughs> Shay Patterson that. throws a pick. It was he,
8: it was the right read. He <laughs> <We yeah>. just <laughs> sailed it. You yeah. got hit. I think you got hit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he, that's part of it, though, right? Exactly. That
7: thing was sailed. Um, <laughs> So let me ask it just quick, uh, and then i want to get back to the Super Bowl 54, but when you're in the- Oh, no, si- he sailed it. Yeah, he sailed it. Uh, <laughs> he, he was, his, his back leg seemed to buckle on him as he was planting, whatever reason. Um, but can you, as a player, could you actually request to be sort of put in a certain situation? Like you said, yours was an interesting case because- you had been a DB, then you've been a receiver. Now you are trying to prove once again that you are legitimately DB heading into the draft uh, of sort of like creating a certain situation during the game where you
8: can sort of show off something that you are
7: trying to show off
8: at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I totally had the option to control my entire narrative because you know teams are like, well, what do you, what do you what do you want to play? Okay, you so know? they asked you. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, the Senior Bowl, I I know that the majority of of coaches wanted to see me play defensive back. Right. However, after I did that, I was already chosen to play, I mean to participate at the Combine as a wide receiver. So I went to the Combine with the receivers. And then I remember um, I think Coach Parcells like, raised his hand and wanted me to stay after to – do defensive back drills on the field by myself, right? And then I guess the the guy re- asked any but any of the coaches, and all thirty two raised their hands. So it was me on the field by myself doing defensive back drills after I just did a whole day of wide receiver drills. Were you happy with your forty time at the combine? I was. This was funny. So they never tell you your time. So I remember I ran my first forty, and and meanwhile I didn't really train for the for the combine because mm-hmm. I usually these guys leave school early and they have credits left. And I was like, well, I, I'm already this far. Let me mm-hmm. just finish. And so I I went and trained for like a week and came back home and and didn't train as, as much as I was able to. And I ran my first forty and and I texted my brother, and he was like, dude, you better get it going. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He was like, that one, your last forty was like a like a you know a high four or five. I was like, oh, you know. And then mm-hmm. the next one I ran uh, way faster. I think I ended up fitting. I think it was like a 4.41 was my wow unofficial. Mm. Um, but Gavin, yeah. you remember when you used to run a 441? You remember that back oh, in the yeah, day? Oh yeah. yeah,
7: those were the back days. Back in the day. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get let's get back to Super Bowl 54. Yes, when I'm kicking and, when
8: I'm kicking the door to let me in. That's when Gavin <laughs> knows his Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> um, all
7: right, so let's let's get back to Kansas City strategy defensively going against the 49ers. So, what we've seen so far from the 49ers is run, run, run. Going to run the ball right down your throat if you can't stop, but guess what? We're going to continue to run the ball. We've talked about Emmanuel Sanders. We talk about George Kittle. Let's get let's get to Kittle a little bit more. Um, you know, you you've you've seen dominant defensive uh, tight ends, you know, and obviously Gronk has been the standard. I mean, we've seen a lot of great ones over the years, Tony Gonzalez, uh, Antonio Gates, guys like that. Um, what is it about what what is it about George Kittle that makes him such a challenge for opposing defenses?
8: What makes him a challenge is he's he's very uh very old school in terms of his style of play. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You can tell he takes pride in in being a, a receiver and feels like he can win every single matchup. But also he takes pride in doing his job and executing the right block at the right time, right every time. And he takes on dNs, linebackers. It doesn't even matter. and he's he's physical enough and strong enough. i I gained so much respect for him because during during the season he he had like so many injuries. Even he had that hyperextended knee, where especially nowadays guys are just tapping out. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. And for him, he just he just fought through it as best he could, and still had you know explosive plays. And but not not only what that does for in terms of gaining my respect, but just imagine the respect he gains from his peers on his own team, just to show like, okay, this is our leader. This is amazing. Because here's the thing that people don't understand: the NFL is like right. There are tons of Really, really outstanding athletes, but there are very few leaders. Mm-hmm. There are very few guys that can motivate themselves. You know, that's why you mean you, you if you follow guys, you'll see all kinds of motivational posts, inspirational things, and quotes, and what have you. But when push comes to shove, a lot of guys are looking around to to see, and that's that's where he rises above in terms of his his stature as the best tight end.
7: All right, so if you're the Chiefs right now and you're looking at this 49er offense, first of all, Mostert just ran for 220 and four touchdowns. Um, We talked about Emmanuel Sanders. We talked about George Kittle. But, I mean, is there also a certain level of respect for Kyle Shanahan's play calling where you say, if we overcompensate to try to shut down the run I mean, I, I sometimes it's at that reverse psychology where you're saying, all right, they're running the ball so effectively, of course they think that we're going to you know, stack it up to try to stop the run, and they know that. And then all of a sudden, they're going to come throwing the ball all over the place, and a guy that threw eight passes one game uh, is going to throw 30 the next. I mean, how much of that psychological warfare goes on, especially if you have that kind of respect for the play caller in Kyle Shanahan? Well,
8: I mean, number one, is when you, when you have a, a quarterback who has the, I guess, the lowest yards per catch or yards mm-hmm. per per pa- pass, the one, number, one thing, number one thing that stands out is tackling is going to be massive this game because, I mean, this goes to both teams. They live on explosive plays. You know, the, the Niners have that stretch uh, the zone where it's like you find the first gap and you put your foot in the ground and go and you got two running backs who are healthy that can go in and and, Brita and Moser so the number one thing for the chiefs is is gap integrity like don't don't get greedy don't try to be a hero and and jump a different gap and try to make a play and try to slip through no you literally stay there and you dance with this offensive line and you give the running backs nowhere to go you know and then a lot of teams they have defensive ends or players that have contained that get so greedy and they want to go underneath and try to go after Garoppolo or try to run down the tackle from the backside. It's like, no. like Just stay where you are. Because there's a lot There's a lot going on. There's motion shifts, adjustments. There's different personnel. Play defense on, on the play. Don't worry about all that stuff.
7: Yeah, defensively, and I've, I've talked to so many defenders, you have to have... I, I, I use the term adult. And and being responsible to stay in their lane. Yeah, I mean, you can have guys that have that you know, freakish athletic ability to sort of freelance and and go their way, but you can only get away with that if there's guys staying home. Yeah, somebody has to stay home and take care of business to allow this other guy to
8: just sort of run free and run crazy all over the field. Right, and guess in terms of one of the best acquisitions.
6: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
5: Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G.
4: La Bichota.
5: Christina Aguilera. Ex Tina. Just to name a few.
4: We're serving the whole story.
5: From rags to riches.
4: And all the tea in between.
5: I'm Liliana Vasquez.
4: And I'm Joseph Carrillo
5: And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2.
4: You're my favorite icon.
5: Aw, Joseph.
4: Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Thornton Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
9: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport, and I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Reality. Podcast.
10: Rappaport's reality, the reality a little of bit. us. We're a figuring little bit.
9: out. And <laughs> if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been Ooh, a, it the been podcast would have taken a, a a left turn.
10: Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And
9: me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
8: Last year, you know, Kansas City felt like they needed to upgrade their play caller on defense. Mm-hmm. And also bringing an ace on defense, and they got one of the best leaders that no one really talks about much, in, in Honey Badger, and also bringing in Steve Spagnola, a coach with Super Bowl winning experience. By the way, when you watch Tyron Matthew tackle people, he just hits them and they go down. You like that style? He, he's 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 by far one of the one of the most instinctive players in the history of the game. Yeah, and on every level, like he held he'll sit there and the ball would just hit him in the back of the head. Or the play would be right there in front of him. It's 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 very. Does cool. he
7: remind you of like a Charles Woodson type guy? No, he's in that category.
8: Yeah, he's in that category of a Palomalo, uh Ed Reed, Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson. Yes, I could say Rod Woodson too. Yeah, yeah, because he exactly he just. I feel like with Rod Woodson though, like he he did his homework in terms right. of like he always just. I feel like with Ed Reed, like no, all those guys studied their their sure. tail off, but it's just like Charles Woodson. Okay. The game Bills versus the Browns. Jo- I remember Ed Reed and Charles Woodson were at the game. This is this year. They were at the game on the sideline, right? Watching. Josh Allen throws the ball away and it hits Charles Woodson in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> and he catches it. But that's to my point. <laughs> like the guy is not even playing. And he's in the, the right place at the right time. And it found both of them. Yeah. Yeah.
7: Yeah, those are the type of things you just can't teach, right? I mean, just some people see the big picture. Uh, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. I've been, I've been informed, Will, that uh, Gavin is about to unleash something new in our final segment. Something I, you know, again, I don't have, he's the producer, right? We're just sitting here. We're talking, but the producer is doing all the work. He has come up with some amazing new feature that you're going to hear coming up next.
11: Bundle home and auto with farmers' insurance, and you could save an average of 20%. A better pairing than pineapple and pizza. There, I said it. Call 1 800 Farmers for a quote today.
2: We are farmers. bum, bum, bum. bum, bum, bum. to 2018 nationwide average savings underwritten by Farmers, Traffic Fire, Insurance Exchanges, and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.
7: Steve Harbin and Will Blackman I want to thank the guys today. Iowa Sam. Cooking along here. Very busy day today. Of course, David Gascon, who is uh, a man that wears many hats. Many, many hats. Many, many hats. Severn, who is our intern, Pride of Ithaca, who found out that uh, essentially he grew up in the shadow of Will
8: Blackman. Same neighborhood, right? Shadow? Yeah. How old is Sev? Sev, how old are you? He is 21 years
7: old. 21, 21 years old. So he was born. That would be like uh 1998, I'm gonna guess. 98. Oh, Same age as my son.
8: Oh, damn, dude. Wow.
7: Yeah. Yeah. My younger son was born in 98. So.
8: I was I was a young whippersnapper.
7: Yes. But I mean, you were like already a legend at that point.
8: Headed to Bishop Hendricken High School. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then there's Gavin gavin who uh who just likes controversy he does he <laughs> stirs the pot no question about that in fact he serves he stirs the pot and then makes himself a bowl let's
7: go uh, <laughs> now as i mentioned uh we have something brand new courtesy of gavin it's known as our geico play of
6: the day Patterson is under center, and he fakes the handoff. Play action. He looks out of the backfield, and wide open is Darius Anderson. Inside the 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. 75 yards on Patterson's first play. That is cr- <laughs> That is courtesy of SiriusXM
7: NFL Radio right there. By the way, do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. Fortunately, Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and auto insurance. It's a good thing, too, because having a home is hard work. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, see how much you could save. Geico.com, easy. I don't think anyone could have anticipated that our very first play of the day uh, would be courtesy of Shea Patterson at the Senior Bowl.
6: Is Wahoo!
7: It- uh, by the way, are you guys working uh, Super Bowl Sunday with me next Sunday? Oh, yeah. We'll oh, be yeah. here. All right. So we're all here for Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, are you going uh, at all to Miami, Will? Are you going to? Nope. nope. Do you normally uh, head down to the Super Bowl site? I'm nope. sure you've been to No? Nope. So since you actually played in the Super Bowl, how many times have you gone to the Super Bowl Once. site?
8: One time. Yeah, I went to the Super Bowl 50. Took My wife and I, I went. I had tickets and... Um... Couldn't find a suitor. And my wife and I was like, well, let's, why don't we just go? Mm-hmm. You know, It's a short flight to San Fran. So.
7: Well, my I don't know about your experience at the Super Bowl. I've actually attended, been in attendance at four Super Bowls. I've covered 24 Super Bowl weeks, but I always leave. And I always feel like those four Super Bowls are four Super Bowls I missed. Because to me, the Super Bowl is about the whole experience, the TV experience and everything else. I mean, when you're at the game, to me, it's like a game. If it's a good game, you're there. If it's a bad game, eh, you know. You know, I don't know. How was your Super Bowl game experience that day?
8: Yeah, that was the only game I went to. It was cool. You yeah. know, I I got to enjoy I got to enjoy uh, Von Miller playing mm-hmm. playing a heck of a game. Unbelievable game. But um yeah, that was about it. It was just a nice trip for my wife and I. Yeah.
7: Uh I picked Denver that day. I did. I did too. Yeah.
8: Defense wins, man. Defense you.
7: wins every single time. Every well, time. speaking of, uh, since I am not going to see you, I would imagine. I don't know. Am I going to see you next week? I'm possible? not going to Miami. You aren't? No, no, no. I'm not going to Miami either. I don't know. Hmm? Okay. Uh, well, if I don't get it, <laughs> it, 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 I don't know. I mean, it was a last-second deal. I was like, suddenly Will Blackman's showing up. Uh, do you have an early feel on this game right now? I mean, the game's going to basically kick off as a pick I mean, there's arguments on both sides. Do you feel that either one of these teams – has an advantage that's gonna be
8: the difference in the game. The advantage for the Chiefs is Pat Mahomes. Mm hmm. And for San Fran, it's gonna be based on how Jimmy Garoppolo plays. Because, so yeah. because, I mean, if if the Niners can hold Kansas City under twenty eight points, that's a victory. Mm-hmm. Over under in this game is fifty four and a half. I'm over.
7: You go over on this game? Mm-hmm. So, like, thirty five twenty one is an over. 35-20, is that what we're looking at in this game? hmm I mean, I can't see where Kansas City is going to slow down the 49ers, right? I feel like they,
8: I mean, I think I mean, I mean, think they are able to. Because if the runner-backs can't get going, then who knows? Mm-hmm.
7: Uh, any advantage, Andy Reid, the old veteran versus, as you call, the up-and-rising
8: superstar of head coaches, no, Kyle Shanahan? Kyle no, Shanahan was born in this, so. This is all all he knows. (laughs) (laughs)
7: That's fair. Uh, By the way, Andy Reid said he was going to diet before he heads down to Miami. Okay. (laughs) 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 Yeah, there's nothing to say there.